Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture podcast broadcast from Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney, and I am back with a new podcast, the first one in the past couple weeks. I apologize for the the time that uh, new podcasts have been coming. I have been putting out podcasts, but it's mostly just backlog stuff that has eventually came out or it's been on my previous podcasting websites and now is on SoundCloud. But I'm back. With my usual guest about talking about Harry Potter again, but we're talking about Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, the book. Now, who is with me today? Nikki Torres or Nikki Muggle. And Dakota Weekend. How are you guys doing? I'm good. Just grand. Oh, it's. <laughs> I hope it's. <laughs> outrageous! <laughs> it's Aquaman for Batman Brave and the Bold. Fantastic. Uh, it's like we said, we're talking about Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, the book review. And I hope that you will enjoy this review more than we did our Prisoner of Azkaban commentary because I feel like we're all a bit dour and we all feel a little shitty. The razor blades were coming out at that point. Yeah, and we're just like, and this when that iris fade out, it happened again, and that's when we started cutting it. What just, was with that? I don't know. And I have, Who in editing said, yes, that's a great idea. Let's just do it for every cutscene. And you know what? I haven't even dropped in the theme song yet. The theme song should go in right now. And now we're back. <laughs> I like that song. I know you. I'll play the forty-three second uh, for you when we. When, it should be uh, a five-hour extended edition. I'll ask Chris to make it for me. He will because that's what he does. Anyway, so as we like we said before, we go off in too many tangents. We're talking about Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Now, when did you guys first read this book? Uh it was. Like all, all my other Harry Potter experiences, it's as soon as the Jim Dale audiobooks came out. Yeah. Went out, grabbed them. My mom bought us the book as well. I was going to say, I hope you bought but not just Yeah, like, no, stole we got the book and the audio tapes. Okay. But, yeah, I really use, since I sucked at reading, I read them off the audio tapes. He does suck at reading. We, we get lost all the time whenever he drives. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I was uh, expecting more. I was expecting a retort, but uh, I know. now I just look like a bully. <laughs> I apologize. Stared at him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Can you even find your street? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> we should just like pre-do the podcast every time because we now we got all warmed up, so we didn't have that awkward like prisoner Azkaban commentary. Yeah, so it's just, like, this is when, when she gets blown up and. Uh, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just sipping on my marg, like real. Maybe that's why. Maybe maybe like we brought maybe alcohol like, into it and it just didn't no, work. No, because I was the only one that was sipping on the mark. So like somebody just put his mark in his pocket. So, <laughs> Dakota. 
Now, Dickie, when's um, the first uh, time you re- read this book? And then... Yeah, I was trying to kind of remember. I'm actually holding my copy, which is like the most beat up copy in the whole wide world. Um, I'm trying to remember if I if I separated the third and fourth. I'm pretty sure I got them both at the same time. So I think I went straight from Prisoner of Azkaban into Goblet of Fire. And I know I had read it. We were like sleeping over my cousin's house. So there was a bunch of us and I had read it then. And I think that's actually when my cousin was most impressed by my reading because everybody's like watching movies. And I was like, I need to know what happens. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the, the first time I read it. And I've subsequently read it a ridiculous amount of times. Did you have a count at one point? Um, yeah, it actually, once I complete this uh, reread, which I did not do, um, it'll be 57 times. Oh, yeah. This is, uh, needless to say, this is your favorite book, right? It is my favorite, and I was afraid, I was telling them before that I was afraid to reread it, because I was like, oh my god, what if I don't like it as much? And um, I was like, I don't want to like ruin how much I love it, and then, I, no, it's the same. I still love it. All the good <laughs> stuff happens in this book. Like, how messed up would it be if you read a book, and like every time you reread it, there's a new page there? Oh my god, and, it and, so, and it keeps adding to it, and, be, and the book is sentient, and it's messing with you. You're pretty awesome. I mean... Even this time rereading it, I was like, I don't remember that word being in there. I've been like on Merriam-Webster like dot com having it pronounce words to me because I was like, how do you say this weird word I've never heard of like vociferous and unctuous? And there's a few other ones that I don't remember because I didn't have it pronounced a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> now Dakota is always the one doing the quick synopsis of the book, so let's. Okay. Uh, I was mentally the- preparing myself this time to not have a shitty version again. Ugh. The pressure's on to make up for last times. Okay. So. Okay, so. There's like nuclear winter. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 not Mad Max. We're talking about Harry Potter. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. Shut the fuck (laughs) up. I'm going to chuck my fucking phone at you. Okay. So. I I have a bat symbol on the back of my iPhone. So the book opens up. With a robbery, or we think so. Some old guy who is a tender of some big-ass mansion is getting a midnight snack, looks out the window. Hey, there's lights on the old abandoned mansion. Let me go limp over and see what the hell's going on. Limpity, limp, limp, limp. He walks in. People are talking in a low-lit room. Let me go see. Huh? And then... Sounds <laughs> like, like you're just like speed through like a Hardy Boys mystery right there. <laughs> and it was Mr. Jefferson Adams with the with the fire with the tire iron in the library who did it. But no, he the guy gets killed. Harry Potter then wakes up being like, "Hey, my scar hurts," like always. Then he remembers that he's friends with the ginger. Whoa, <laughs> that's when the nightmare really begins. Yes, uh, yes, it's, it's not he. D- I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> He remembers remembers this fact because the ginger keeps writing to him throughout the summer saying, hey, the World Cup of Quidditch is coming. So he runs downstairs, tells Uncle Vernon, hey, I'm going to go with my friends. He's like, no. He's like, well, you get me out of your hair like two months early. Uncle Vernon's like, hmm, good idea. Harry Potter gets forcibly taken away through a fireplace. That's how all gingers enter homes. Yes, they just burst through the fireplace. Yes. Destroy the house. Um explode his cousin's tongue and run away. Anyway, so they're now going to the Quidditch World Cup with everyone. Hermione is there too. They're going when they're going. Port Key we run rolling, into Cedric rolling, Di- rolling, Cedric rolling, Diggory rolling. and his father. Cedric Diggory is a bro. His father is a bro's dad. Like my son can kick your ass, Harry. Uh, 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 I'm, I'm uh, not looking vicariously through my child. <laughs> He's my only son. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Are you going to <laughs> 
I was say, we'll be here for a while. It's a big book. Uh, <laughs> but it's ultimately more entertaining than last time. Anyway, so World Cup's there. It is... Um, it's... <laughs> Well, that's why I had those case World batteries ha- next to you. World Cup happens. We're introduced uh, to uh, Victor Crum, who is a seeker for Bulgaria, versus, and they're versing Ireland. Ireland. Um, Ireland. Diagonally. <laughs> Ireland wins uh, by the most hokiest circumstances. They all go back happy we, after the tournament to go too. to a campsite, and then Death Eaters show up. They're like, yeah, let's go fuck shit up and everything like that. And so they're like, oh my God, Harry, they're on the train going to Hogwarts now. <laughs> Quick summary. <laughs> yeah, I think we put too much pressure on the They're going to Hogwarts now. Now the hit is, hey, something happens at Hogwarts this year that's probably not going to be deadly, but it is deadly. So anyway, the British, uh, not the British World Cup, uh, the, the Tri-Wizard, uh, Tri-Wizard Tournament. Tournament is happening where they're getting like two other schools to come compete for like money, fortune, fame, but only like Six and seventh years can compete in it. Harry's like, oh bummer, whatever. But seriously, Harry and three other people get voted in. And everyone's like, and come door, double door is like, how'd you put the fire? <laughs> <on> fire. <laughs> in, in the movie, in the, the, the bookie very cup. I, I told you a quick something. Not something like it's happening during speed. Okay, I was on speed. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, he he performs. So the anyway, we go through all three different tournaments. And we find out that um that the whole tournament was set up to kill Harry Potter, shocker, but not to kill Harry Potter because Harry Potter was forced to come back to bring Voldemort back. Voldemort can now touch Harry in inappropriate places. <laughs> Cedric Diggory the Bro dies. Harry brings him back. Dumbledore is like, I knew this day was coming when Voldemort would return. The Ministry of Magic is like, Oh fuck this shit! And then yeah, end the book. <laughs> and then they got home. And then they got home. And Harry's like, Holy shit! I'm still a wizard. <laughs> I am taking the microphone away from you. Oh my god! I don't even know what just happened, and I've read this book fifty-seven times. <laughs> so let's start at the beginning with the opening chapter. Now you've said before that that's your favorite piece of Harry Potter writing overall. Now I know that um, Speedy Gonzalez over here told us what just happened, like almost beat for beat. Now what happens in the first chapter? Okay, so. The, with the first chapter, this is when I realized that J.K. Yeah, yeah uh, die, did not you just... son of a bitch. Not yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tim. I just sat here laughing quietly. <laughs> but yeah, in the first chapter, this is when I uh, first realized that J.K. is actually like a really talented writer. It's not just, you know, I like the Harry Potter world. Because you really don't know that it's the Harry Potter universe in this first chapter. And so basically, yeah, there is a housekeeper who has been working for this rich family um, long after this rich family mysteriously gets killed. Um, and then, so, like Dakota, before he took speed, was saying is that one day he got up in the middle of the night, his, like, bed, like, was hurting, and he got up in the middle of the night and realized that there were lights on in the house, and so he goes to investigate, but all the doors are locked. Strange. It's almost like magic or something. And goes upstairs, and that's when you hear, like, Voldemort talking to... Peter Pettigrew, uh, and it's just so interesting to kind of hear a, a wizard conversation from a muggle perspective, uh, whereas opposed to you usually hear it from muggle-borns, like Harry be like, oh my god, this is weird in the wizarding world? I didn't know. Um, so I, I just really, like, love this whole sequence, and then, like, you hear, um, and I, I mean, you come to find out later that this Harry actually gets to see this because of the connection they have. But 
it's not just a dream and it's just such a good piece of like writing and it's the best way to start this story off because it does kind of get like where Dakota's summary kind of went meh like it gets a little <laughs> yeah he had to come down eventually yeah, he took like, a speedball the heroin had to hit him and bring him yeah, down a little bit from the, the yeah, cocaine that, down, that brought him up this was a good way to start it because it had a lot of the stuff with this book it's like mm-hmm. even with all of the Triwizard tournament tasks there's a little bit of a lull in between all of them so like I think to start it off with like this interesting perspective and it's like wait we're still reading harry potter we have to go through this that's why i love this chapter so much because it's just so well crafted and it's just it hits all the marks and it literally basically tells you everything that's going to happen in this whole book yeah i mean there's so many dangly uh clauses that set up in the first chapter that's obviously paid off including bertha jorkins peter pettigrew and the weird half child mutation of Voldemort that's still alive um, the Riddle House and what happens in the Riddles that we finally we won't find out in the two books what truly happened, as well as um, from Muggle's perspective, like reacting to an incident that the magic was involved with, like everybody suspects that he the caretaker is the person who is responsible for the deaths of the Riddles, and the whole town gossip builds around that. It's almost like how old ghost stories would be told. It's very like it's. I always think of when I when I we listen to this chapter, it's like it's like almost like a gothic horror story in one yeah. chapter, and how people would react to a situation like this. Now, as we, as you were saying, like it sets up like what's what needs to happen, why Harry is chosen, and stuff like that. But also that brings up the reason why I have my biggest problem with this book, which I will get into later when we talk when we get to the graveyard. Now, Dakota, what are your feelings on the opening chapter? I liked it a lot. It does set up for. A, lot of uh does set up for the book it also sets up future events for the uh fifth and sixth book as well yeah with the whole occlumency and everything like that um i I, as a kid i always thought that the shrieking check and the riddle house was the same thing but obviously after rereading everything it's not so i mean as a kid yeah, that's what. Yeah. That's like a really honest mistake because you you're introduced to these houses. You don't really, you know, how are you gonna really distinguish them too? Like even when it being called the Riddle House, I don't think I ever put it together that that was like, you know, like Voldemort's parents. <laughs> but no, I agree with you. It does set up for that kind of like even a Hardy's boy type of beginning. Of <laughs> Mr. Johansson, what are you doing here? The Hardy boys, two young chaps who. Are, are, Knock and stop and cries. Oh, I got a reason clue right now. Oh. Moving on. <laughs> even, but, like, even down to, like, the gossiping, like how you said the whole town's, like, gossiping, that only comes into Rita Skeeter with her, like, gossip monger. Her sensationalist later. writing. Yeah, so, like, it, it's so, like, if every little detail is played out in this first chapter, it gets played out throughout the whole book and the subsequent books to come. You know, Rita Skeeter is, uh, was ahead of her time because she was writing for readership, not for facts. You know how newspapers now just kind of like, oh, we're doing this for the readers and like sometimes skew everything. Yeah, yeah she's doing that for the Daily Prophet. Though that begs the question: besides the Quibbler, what competition does the Daily Prophet have in the newspaper? There's never like anything explicitly said within these books. There's obviously probably been other books that are associated with the Harry Potter. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's Which just. Is the Witch Weekly separate, or is it like a column in... Which in... I always thought it was a column. See, was and I always thought it was separate, but I think it was... Like, I kind of get... I I kind of took it as like, oh, there's Witch Weekly kind of like 
like a home guard, like a like a lady Reader's magazine, Digest or something like, like that. A, like a Cosmo, I guess. I was say, like, like a Cosmo. What, yeah, like I, yeah. So the, I thought they were separate, but they they may be a column. I think that actually is what it is. Yeah. So, but yeah, <clears throat> yeah. 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 And so uh, after the opening chapter, we we visit the Dursleys. Yeah, yes. we go back to the Dursleys. Yes. And, 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 and then we we have our, our uh, suspenders, and Harry starts to do his dancing to say, I must leave. No, he doesn't do that. They fell back to Alban. I was just going German. You had to go Nazi, sir. Yeah, well. You took it there. Yeah, yes, you had I don't think any podcast or any comedy show can go without Hitler being brought up once. Did we bring up Hitler last time? I don't know. I don't Moving so. on. <laughs> oh, now we have to go back with a Hitler count. God yes. damn it. One Hitler, two Hitler, three Hitler, four Hitler. One Hitler. Ah, ah, ah. Two Hitlers. Wait, this is not good. Ah, ah, ah. So the third. Mussolini? What? Isn't that Mussolini? I was going to say Stalin, but he was uh, worse than both of them put together. This is true. If we're, if we're talking about body count. Moving on. So the Dursleys are finally, like, say, like, yeah, you can, like, after dealing with a very peculiar letter with stamps covering the entire envelope, practically, cause, yes. because Mrs. Weasley does not know how um, like uh, the regular post works in the muggle world. And then Harry's like, can I go? Like, as Dakota said during his uh, minor freakout. That a freakout was a synopsis. <laughs> was it more entertaining than the Prisoner of Azkaban one? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I said yes. I'm not the one being uh, skept- skeptical over there. <laughs> so Jersey's like, yes, fine, but are they going to come pick you up? How do these people travel? And then Mister Dur- Mr. Dursley's like, like they probably don't even have a car. If it is, it's a cheap one, and he's already degrading the Weasleys before he even really gets a chance to meet him. The Weasleys come. Bashing through the uh, wall. Uh, no, the, they get stuck behind the fake fireplace. Because they... The, they travel by flu powder, and they're all stuck up into the chimney. Which, like, <laughs> I just imagine, like, remember in Willy Wonka when they were in the elevator and they're all stuck, and then Wonka has to maneuver around to, like, unlock them? Yes. That's what I kind of imagine, just, like, I mean, all yeah, covered Yeah, that's in exactly soot, kind of what happened with them. And then... But then I think, the like, besides the comedy of, like, the Weasley's, like... Oh, hey, we're going to get your shit. That, Sorry, we blew up your wall. That was actually, when reading it, it was actually a very funny scene. But yeah. the best part about it is, like, Harry says goodbye, leaves. And Arthur was and, like, and Arthur stops him and he says, you're not going to see the child for maybe almost 10 to 11 months. And you're not going to say goodbye to him. Yeah, he said goodbye. Why didn't you say goodbye? Don't worry about it, Mr. Weasley. No, 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 no. And he puts his foot down and he says, like, no, I want I want." I think you that's to when say- everyone else in the book in the in the series starts realizing how shitty harry's life is at quidditch drive i mean they privet privet use a quidditch oh my god God, that's a freudian (laughs) slip right there you don't have any quidditch in this book so you have to slip into this podcast anyway in there no there's well yeah the world but not like house quidditch yeah so there it's a yes and a no but quidditch drive sounds like a great place to to live by the way i did read the uh, entire uh quidditch to the ages book you love it i did I wish there was more. It took me two hours to read. <laughs> is this like during your insomnia-induced nights that yes. you read it? Oh, yes, I, it I figured as much. But anyway, so, so Privet Drive. Um, yeah, I mean, besides Ron and Hermione and um, I guess the twins, 
Um, nobody else really kind of figured out how crappy it was there. Maybe McGonagall kind of had her suspicions. But, um, but yeah, no one else. So the, finally Arthur Williams is like, holy crap, dude. But then the most epic thing happens is when uh, Fred and George drop a tongue, uh, tongue-tongue ta- taffy, yeah. and Dudley's tongue just explodes out of his mouth. And, just and Arthur's, like, like, Arthur's just like, I got it! <laughs> Chucks Harry into the fireplace. He's like, I got this, don't worry. <laughs> we gotta get out here. We gotta find survivors and move. We can't stay here But anymore. the best part was when he, they got back to the the burrow, Arthur Reasley was like so pissed off at the twins, and then Molly comes in, and he's, he's like, like <laughs> Uh, oh no, he's, nope, he's nope. not. He does not want to open the can of worms with yeah, that. Yeah, he knows that. Even though he's yelling, it's probably better than Molly yelling. Of course. And moving on, so I'm gonna the next two uh, li- uh, things I'm gonna put together. The port keys. Fuck it's a concept it. that's gonna be brought up in this book, and it's a prominent thing throughout the rest of the series. And the diggeries we finally meet, really. Bro, For the first time, I know we've we dealt with Cedric before <laughs> in Prison of Azkaban, but very like, briefly, briefly, but. Your feelings on Diggory's father and Portkeys? Diggory, <laughs> I think I did it in the synopsis. So Frederick Diggory's kind of a bro, and uh, uh, his father is a bro's dad who's living vicariously through him. I mean, this dad is so proud of, that his son is like, like the shit, you know? Like, yeah, my semen created that <laughs> type of thing, you know? Like, you know, but there's dads like that. There where are, there are. Just like, there's nothing, my son can't do anything wrong because he is the shit. And he even goes as far as saying to Harry Potter, please, you're not as great as my son because my son is the bomb, you know? And especially, like, like the first, like, conversation they have is, like, well, one person won the game, one person lost it. We're referring to the Quidditch game that happened last year, and Diggory's like, you know, I try to call it off. It's okay. You don't have to apologize for his incompetence, more or less. And Harry's just like, dude, I have to travel with this guy? Yeah, yeah. Cedric Diggory is like being very, is very humble just by nature. I think it's because of his father. That's why he's it's humble. So like, yeah, outlandish. But yeah, no, it, but it comes, it's a great way to really show the two diff, two colliding personalities, but it also shows how much love and pride that his father has for him, which mm-hmm. makes it even more devastating uh, when spoilers cedric dies at the end yeah <laughs> if you don't know if you don't want spoilers why are you listening to this read the book yeah and the movie came out years ago like you yeah, have no excuse no, get on your shit you should know shit so diggory's father nikki uh it's funny because when you said that cedric should be a bro it's actually really amos that is bro-ish like he is very like so much just like a bragger and a, a really flashy and um i also like the dynamic between the two because you see the dynamic with Barty Crouch and Barty Crouch Jr. So we have a lot of, like, dad roles. Um, and Yeah, this is a very father-heavy book. Yes, yeah. it is. And that's, I mean, it really comes down to... I mean, Volvar basically did everything because he had daddy issues. Like, I mean, even Tom Riddle <laughs> at the very end comes into because they had to uh, uh, um, get his bones. bones out to yeah. help recreate Voldemort. And then you have the whole Harry's dad comes into it, too. Oh, my God. There's, so- there's a lot of dads. There's dads on deck. <laughs> and then you have his cigarette, sur- surrogate father with Sirius being there. This is truth. Somebody have some daddy issues. Yeah, so that's why. Uh, 
the porky <laughs> sounds scary to me though like i i know that we meet them in that but like the porky literally sounds like way worse to travel by than flu powder because like here you are you have to travel to this like strange <laughs> destination and pick up this item that you may or may not get right like imagine you pick up the wrong porky you're just trying to go to the world cup and you end up in freaking albania next to like voldemort like maybe that's how bertha jenkins ended up no, crossing paths no i'm just kidding she <laughs> planned it but <laughs> i get what you're saying i mean i don't remember is there like any like anti-muggle like stuff on the porky because what happens if like some garbage picker is just coming by and like that's a big ass boot you better break that up and then where the fuck am i yeah that's why porkies are disguised as trash because they don't want and then like that's why they're set at certain times because the idea is that like and they're monitored, like heavily monitored. Um, and then with the exception, obviously, being the Triwizard uh, Cup itself. But, yeah. I just feel like, what if you're just like, like the reason why I don't think porkies were ever used during London. Like, think of like the tramps or what they call homeless over in the UK. Just, like, oh, they meant scarlet women? I'm like, I'm like <laughs> <laughs> no, I call those scarlet women. <laughs> no, they call homeless people tramps over there. So, like, what if you're just going through the garbage and like, vroom, holy shit, I'm on the Great Wall yeah. of China. Why am I here? Oh, my God. Why is, he, why is he waving his hands like this? Like, I don't know why I'm doing that on a podcast that's audio-based. You know who we forgot to mention, too, that came in already and we forgot about them? Bill and Charlie. This is true. Oh, actually, we, we we actually skipped over the Dursleys from your point of view before, Oh, too. yeah. Well, I don't really – you know me. I don't really – nothing about yeah. the Dursleys is uh, – and, like, I like that Arthur took a stand against them, um, especially since Arthur's been nothing but nice. But, um, yeah. And, and then, like, badass. oh, man. The thing – because it's so funny because it's, like, you really didn't open up your fireplace since, you know, Harry was 11. Like, you literally left it all freaking boarded up to, just because of a stray owls, like maybe, like why do you leave it like oh, that? Shit. Yeah. So he never, he I never just, fixed it. Oh. I what? I just that just mind blown. I didn't even make that connection. See, I you got to read it fifty more times I to get so. it. Get it. <laughs> I only read it. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. But in all fairness, thinking about it, I still have my windows nailed shut from when I was sixteen and snuck out, and my mom said that I can't have them unnailed shut. And I was like, what if there's a fire? Like, I learned my lesson. I did it when I was 16. She's like, well, then you'll really learn your lesson if there's a fire. Oh, God. So maybe that's what they were thinking. But, like, I think they – and for someone who's so obsessed with appearances, especially they had over his boss last book. So, like, fix your fucking fireplace. But, yeah, so back to Bill and Charlie, who I can't believe you think they're not really that important in they're this not, book. They're not yet. They're really not yet. But I think they – Charlie is. Why did I say it like that? I don't know. But and it's like you've been talking about these brothers forever, and you and honestly, I you start to get to see a new side of Ron in this book, um, which is actually the side I really like identify with. Is that Ron's like the most human out of all of them? Like Ron has like all these like mood swings and all these like jealous rages, and he apologizes and he'll move on from it. But like you really don't get that as much as from even Harry and Hermione like Harry's pretty straight like moody all the time and then like Hermione's like pretty passionate about whatever she is passionate about right but then it, you get Ron who literally one moment is like basking in ego glory and the next is like oh I'm so poor I'm so sad like I wish I had that leprechaun gold but like so I think you need to know how cool and like they really are cool Bill and Charlie they're cool characters yeah. I like they're everybody kind of aspires to be I mean, like well not Percy but like they're 
they're shining examples of what the Weezies can be, the pure blood family. They don't bring that up, but yeah. there is a great examples of fantastic wizards in different in different uh in different lights. Like obviously Charlie being part of dealing with dragons and uh and and Bill with Gringotts. I mean like it was one of the walls that the greatest wizard bag out there, if not the only one. I we don't know. But no, I like how the Charlie is finally described kind of like that, like, he looks like he's de- he deals with dragons. But then when it comes to Bill, it's like, okay, you work for Gringotts, yet you're kind of like this Indiana Jones-like character. Yet wears metal shirts, though, and with uh, earrings and stuff like that. Yeah, it's kind of like, that's pretty awesome. I mean, he's a curse breaker for them. Yeah. Yeah. I just see him just walking cool. in Gringotts with a Slayer t-shirt on and stuff like that. And but gauntlet. like the leather hide, oh, like, of j- like jacket and just boots like, that are kind of like the, the dragon hide boots that are that have like Doc flapping of... wings on them still. That's uh, <laughs> and like, so. They said they weren't cool. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> so do you. Oh, God. I think Justin just heard his ears ringing somewhere out there. Our friend Justin, who's like obsessive with Indiana Jones and brings up in conversation wherever I talk to him. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, because I haven't talked about the Portuguese in the, uh, uh, yet. And the idea of, like, they always describe it as, like, being pulled from your navel in. So you got to think, like, you mean lur- lurched inward and then being sucked through a tube and then you can't breathe and then eventually, like, <gasps> spit They're back. Spinning. They're spinning, too. Like, yeah, yeah, they spin. <laughs> and, like, that's just, it literally... Well, like the hook is like I think of like um like old like vaudeville oh, yeah, theater like... where they hook them off the stage. Yeah. So like okay, like I could I could deal with that, and like maybe you Getting know like hook sucks though. You ever like <laughs> slide through like a like a slide in like Chuck E. Cheese like oh, as yeah. an adult like you're too big and you don't belong in it and it's really <laughs> scary. That's what I picture for that. But it's the spinning that freaks me out. Like Porky literally sounds awful. But I think it, I think it's I guess that's a trade off of how convenient it is to get from yeah. one place to another in the Wizarding World. And you only need it when you have kids because that was the whole thing, which is what made me think of Bill and Charlie. Is because they apparated there. They got to apparate, yeah. So that's why I was like, oh, we forgot about them because they get to sleep in, they get to like just chill while everybody else has to go. But yeah, they get to have breakfast and everything like mm-hmm. that and take their time, and then they're using the port key to get to the World Cup, the Quidditch World Cup being played through. By Ireland and Bulgaria, and it's a big part of this book, and it sets up a lot of things that obviously paid off because that's one of the best things of Rowling's writing is like set up and pay off. And the thing is, it's never obvious no. when it comes to the World Cup. Like, with we we are introduced to Winky, uh, uh, the Barty Crouch Seniors. Uh, slave elf and like having a seat empty next to her and stuff like that I'm like oh it's yeah, you don't it. even think you're just like oh okay like barty decided not to come up because he's got a lot going on because he's basically dealing with the wizarding world's coachella yeah so like you're with like oh whatever wizards flying in yeah and everybody's like doing their own thing like actually i think i've mentioned it in previous podcasts how my favorite character is archie in this book yes who literally is like not anything he literally is just a muggle dress wizard and um in a woman's dress yeah like he just did not want to put on pants and you know what you can't blame the man you really can't but it's like they're just doing all these and like so they're trying to basically keep hold of and you think about how big the hogwarts quidditch stadium is so now you're basically taking like an msg and adding magic to it and you just keep going and going and going so there's people literally like 
in the sky. Like you're in the sky. Well, I'm thinking like, I'm, not, I'm thinking bigger than I'm thinking, I'm thinking like the Meadowlands or something like that. Okay, or, yeah. Or, or like even, times twenty. Yeah, and it's just like or you have Wembley to buy like thousands of dollar omnoculars to see the action because yeah. even in the best box in the house you can't see it all. Like that's cool. And the Vilas. I like the Vilas and, better than the Leprechauns. Well, that goes kind of without saying. Yeah. Your initial feelings on the World Cup. There's a lot of talk about with the World Cup. Oh, yeah. No, I loved it. I mean, I really did. Because it was just this whole new... A whole new world. That's twice in two podcasts we've done that. <laughs> nah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's so different from um, the House Cups. It's. I mean, it's... The world, it's world. Any, you mentioned World Cup of anything. People like the best of the best in the world playing for their countries. So that's what you have in the Quidditch world. So Ireland and Bulgaria being like the two top teams to make it there, which is pretty insane. Um, so and just the just the celebration behind it and everything like that, and then the actual gameplay of it sounds amazing. There's so much pride and joy being put into this right now. Oh yeah, but it's not like it, it's. But it's also on the verge of being like a lot of soccer hooligans or football hooligans kind of breaking. Oh my out. god! Like, you have the vuvuzelas going and the, like people ready to pass out because they're blowing them for five hours, like at the World Cup in South Africa. Where they they were banned <laughs> because they were so <laughs> annoying. <laughs> I mean, you literally see people like on like TV blowing the vuvuzelas and they're like like their eyes are rolling into their head because and they're not even watching the game. They're like. <laughs> Like, that's how much pride is going into the World Cup. I wish they had, like, I wish, like, George Lucas could do a new a recut of the World Cup with the, with those CGI movies. <laughs> <laughs> CGI movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, um, that's because we would. <laughs> I thought about it afterward. <laughs> yeah, like, there's a lot of sexual jokes. Like, in every podcast we do, right? We I mean, really have to do a video version. Yes, I, I'm thinking. Yes. Of, I'm thinking about doing a video <laughs> version of Anything Goes when we're doing reviews of new movies that just came out. Okay, and it would be us in a car driving and us talking about it. Like I had that idea like, a while ago. Yeah, like we're driving back from the movie theater. Yeah, and we just it. have the GoPro going and all. Even your though recording. we're probably not driving back from the movie theater, we're just talking about it. Yeah. Okay. And then <laughs> spoilers. Yes. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. Um, no, 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 because I, I always The magic say, is ruined. I always, <laughs> I always say, I'm going to cut it out, and I never do. Like, Only say, once you did, and that was for, like, the ten-minute, like, us just waiting for, like, the naughty feet at the end of uh, Prisoner Ask. Thank God I cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Where are these feet? They're supposed to be fucking. <laughs> so my feelings of the World Cup, um, <laughs> that you just... Seeing it through Harry's eyes and seeing how expansive the Wizarding World is, because it is a total world building. I mean, this is Harry's first professional Quidditch match he's watching. I, I always kind of feel bad for him that then, because any other professional one he sees, it's just going to be like... A and it's all downhill from here. Yeah, it's like if you go to the World Series, Game 7, and then you go to another game the following season. It's or the regular season game. Which yeah, is it's just like, well, yeah, like, all right, no, whatever. And so you, you brought up the Velas before, Nikki. Yes. Uh, the Vilas are the Bulgaria's, like, uh, mascots, and then you have, like, the Leprechauns and, um... Shocker. For, yeah, for Ireland. And it's good that you meet the Vilas in here, because you are basically meeting two of the champions that you'll get later, because Florida Cora, you find out, is part Vila. It was her grandmother. So 
she's part Vila, and then you have Crumb, who's actually on the team, which I love when Harry's like, oh my god, didn't even realize he's still in school. And, like, it's so fun to me later on, too, is that you have two super famous teenagers in the same thing, and, like, Crumb doesn't get, like, any attention. Like, Crumb is so, like, he barely even speaks. The only person he speaks to is Hermione, and, like... Hermione. Hermione, no, But, yeah, so, like... The anemone. And the Vila's were fun, too, because you get to see that they really are... They're 14-year-old boys. Like, they're getting... Well, them, and along with every other male in the stadium, it's getting, like, transfixed by these, like, beautiful, like, dancing... They're almost, like, um... I guess they're, like, lands sirens i, I guess say, that's the best sirens way to put like it the first thing that's coming yeah to so they're like land sirens and there's these beautiful pale like well crumb's not 14 he's 17 no no but i meant like um harry and ron who get like transfixed from like the villas oh uh, yeah 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 not no crumb is obviously older but <laughs> okay crumb's on the team he, he, the, 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 they have extent they get their wand extenders when villas come out that's all i have to say I'm going to go back to the dorm and uh, polish my wand. <laughs> so my brother really... Ever see, have... ever see the Saturday Night Live skit with uh, the Harry Potter spoof? And uh, they had... This was before... Um, What's her face went crazy? Um, Britney Spears? No. Uh, the redhead. Uh, from Mean Girls. Why, why oh, Lizzie Lohan. Yeah, Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay, a redhead going crazy. That is shocking. Lindsay right there, Lohan too. was playing Hermione. Oh, God. And they just got back from, like, break and everything like that. And Hermione hit puberty. So it's uh, so it's Lindsay Lohan in, like, a low-cut Hogwarts shirt. And her boobs are hanging out and everything like that. And everyone's just like, it's like, oh. And like, the twins come in. It's like, oh, we're going to go play with our beaters. And, like, the person playing, oh, you're who's playing Harry? You're going to play Quidditch? Not exactly. <laughs> and a hacker comes in and like, oh, I'm going to go uh, pet my dragon. It's like, oh, you have a new pet. Not exactly. <laughs> and then Snape comes in and like, like, you're dressed so inappropriate. Oh, I'm sorry, Professor Snape. Please, call me Severus. No, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, <laughs> That makes it feel uncomfortable. Uh, and then it's like they're getting frustrated. Then there's at the very end, like, like towards the end, like, he's like, okay, we need to go see if Malfoy's doing something horrible. Let's do the spell it's in like fine print so they're holding a magnifying glass and it's on her boobs and ron hermione uh ron, ron and uh, harry are like kind of like on the other side like, oh yeah, god cleavage it's like it's not working i'm gonna go take a bath hey harry do you still have that invisibility cloak? oh <laughs> that's terrible anyway more terrible uh <laughs> anyone who's suffered them we're moving on <laughs> it was a bad idea so i brought up the point like so peter Pettigrew as scabbers has been with ron during his entire life, and especially during when his life changed in certain ways and stuff like that. And just imagine as a human, as a rat, seeing that going on and him hitting puberty like that. You're like, oh, God, no. Just bury yourself somewhere. But- I feel like that's not, like, their, like, biggest concern when you're, like, an animagus. Like, I feel like he's probably like, oh, man, I got to eat this, like, moldy cheese. Like, you know how, like, uh, Sirius is, like, eating rat bones and stuff to stay? Like, I feel like young... Young <laughs> wizarding teens is not like on their like. Oh my god, let's pay attention list. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely a first world I'm problem like, yeah. if you want to go. Like, like, oh my god, he's doing it yet again. It's the third time today. Oh, oh god. Okay, so Fleur is part Vila. Yeah, isn't? And her grandmother was a Vila. Yeah. 
doesn't that make her grandfather like into bestiality? Would you consider it a, a, a If that's the case, then what is Hagrid's father guilty of? Because he slept with a giant. Like, how did he even fit? <laughs> how did he even fit? Well, that's, like, <laughs> that's, like driving, that's like throwing a hot dog down like um, a hallway. Not even a hallway. It's a like, tunnel. It's like well, uh, the 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 aircraft hangers that they put like the Goodyear blimp in. <laughs> you don't even see the thing; you're just going. What was that? What was that? What was that? What was that uh, cartoon like? Um, Magic School Bus. What was the name? Of the, what was, but what's the teacher's name? Oh. Frister? <laughs> but like, no, she, he needed her to come save him in uh, the, the giant's uh, hoo-ha to get oh him man, out of Oh man, you made me sing. We yeah. talk about hoo-hahs, and that's when I sing. I just sang the Magic School Bus theme. I uh, but then, the, like, bestiality, like, I know it's a weird tangent to go on, but like, that's not the... Wait, but does that count? Because, like, would a mermaid count? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, are they actually, like, a ma- are they considered magical creatures? Are they, like... Well, they're intelligent creatures. Like, how do you... Know. Yeah, like, how? what's the distinction? Like, uh, it's almost like if... Well, if we take it, like, Alvis's brother, that's pure bestiality right Yeah, but there. they never actually... Like, they say inappropriate charms. They, <laughs> you Frizzle. don't know. Miss Frizzles. Miss Frizzle's not even married because she's so fucking psychotic. She's a magic school bus. She doesn't need a man. She she don't need no man. She's a smart lady. (laughs) She's giving kids drugs to make them think they're transporting (laughs) from fucking nowhere to somewhere. But can you prove it? (laughs) (laughs) No, Your Honor, I can't. Well, I find these uh, claims to be uh, inadmissible and dismissed. (laughs) 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 Mrs. Frizzle took us inside Arnold's stomach. Oh, that's nice, dear. No, seriously, we shook down. It was fucking amazing. <laughs> Unless she's like the fucking doctor. And just... Yeah, well, she, she she teamed up with Tommy Pickles because he's also the doctor because he fights Daleks and stuff like that. <laughs> Moving on. My feelings on the World Cup. Oh, yeah, we're talking about this. Yeah, it's a Harry Potter podcast. Anyway. <laughs> We went, we went such a down a sexual uh, perversion road that we, we end up in 90s cartoons. Don't know how we got there. Moving on. It was a book before the show. I know. I know. So uh, I can't take the microphone. Yeah. Give it back. Yeah. I, I feel like there's been enough adolescent t- testosterone. Okay, so to- anyway, so back to the viewers and the leprechauns. Um, leprechauns. But overall, like that, the way I'm glad they set up, like, the Quidditch World Cup in the fourth book because you've had enough games of Quidditch to actually appreciate how good of a game the World Cup one was because and the only person that saw it coming were the twins that are like oh like Ireland's gonna win but Bulgaria will get the snitch and which I I, I I wonder how the hell they came to that conclusion I, they just the guess yeah that's possible that's what I think too I literally think the twins are known for they're the kind of people that just throw things to the wall see if it sticks there's no like even when um, is it Fred or is it George uh, I think it's Fred asks Angelina to the ball yeah he's just like Oi, you go? Angelina go to the ball with me like he doesn't know she's gonna say yes he just assumes she's gonna and like not in like a way that it's like misogynistic like it's just literally like yeah, you want to go? Let's just cool. let's go. Yeah, it's because he had so much confidence. It's just like he just wanted to show Ron up. Like you're like you're making a big deal of nothing. Hey, you want to go? She's going there. Done. 
get on with your life, kid. Also about making big deal out of nothing. With Ron, how funny do you think it is that he was secretly in love with his, like, brother's future wife? Oh, uh, with Fleur? Mm-hmm. It's part Vila. You can't really blame him. Yeah. I- Somebody's got to turn off the charms because not all the guys are falling all over Fleur. It's just the ones that are... Well, she she flips her hair. Yeah, because Cedric didn't fall for it. Cedric was all about Cho, which Harry was all about Cho. There's a lot of love triangles going on, too, in this Well, because she didn't whip her hair back Back and and forth. 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 Whip my hair back and forth. Yeah, did you be fair? Yeah, I hope you snap your neck doing that. (laughs) That's what you get for throwing a hot dog down a blip hanger right there. (laughs) (laughs) Get the saying right if you're going to say it. Okay, back Can I just say how awkward it must be to be in the top box with the Malfoys? And this is the first time you meet Narcissus. How do you say her name? Narcissa. Narcissa, whatever. There's a lot of S's up in that shit. <laughs> I was going to say, like, oh, let's see how this goes. Yeah, right? That could have went worse. I don't yeah, think no, that no, was no, that, that bad. That's not the worst pronunciation any of us has done. Because it's the first time you meet her, right? Yeah, and, and she's pure, just smug and everything like it's, that. It's funny. I actually like her better. You know, um, I've been having this argument for days lately, too. Like, everybody's like, Snape redeems himself. I don't find that. I find her more redeeming. Because of that one moment in mm-hmm. Deathly Hollows. And even just like when you know with the unbreakable vow with and everything with her sister, like all that stuff, I find her more redeeming. So, I mean, obviously I didn't know that the first time I read it and probably found out around 30th time I read it. But, um, yeah, like I, I first think that's, seed. it's interesting. And Malfoy is such a mama's boy, but you never would see that because he always says... My father yeah, this, my, my father, father that. that. Because the father is the one that she never, like, she doesn't ruffle any feathers. It's all Lucius. Like, but so she does put on an attitude while they're in the box. Now, do you think that's her genuine attitude or is she just because she's in the company of her husband or her son? I think it's her husband. I think it's just like when you bring like you have like a friend who always acts differently around a big group of people than when you're just with themselves. It's like Avril Lavigne song, Skater Boy. Uh, not Skater Boy. What's the other one? The complicated song? Yeah, it's complicated. It's the complicated song when they're like, why do you have to act like this in front of other people? You know, I really liked you when you were by yourself. That's true. I listened to Avril a little bit when I was younger, just saying. No, was, I didn't know this is confession hour we got going on. I know, on we got here. a lot going on here. <laughs> I mean, and Dakota, you want to weigh in on this? Yeah, wave? well, I think um, the Malfoys out in public are very different from in private. Right. I mean, yes, Lucius is probably a dick both at home and in outside but we see later in books they're not exactly he's, he's dick both in and out right yes he had he's a dick in and out but uh what we see what later on when uh they use the malfoy's uh estate as like Voldemort's hideout mm-hmm. um how kind of actually like they're not as evil as you thought they were at first because well they have really re- evil relatives nikki's dying to make a comment here no it's just that i think with that you can't say that they're not as evil as you thought because they're in such extreme circumstances because now that voldemort's back he's mad at the ones that were able to escape like there's the ones that stayed loyal to him and then there's ones like lucius there's ones like um who else got out of it crap i'm not gonna be able to think of it right now but they i think they are evil i think just in that they were 
it was almost kind of like they were getting bullied. Like, they were doing their penance, almost. Draco Malfoy isn't as evil as his father is. But at the very end, we see that his mother and his father... Were never true believers. They were more... Talkers. They could... They would throw away Voldemort's ideals because their son was in danger. They were ready to do that. Meanwhile, some other other Death Eaters would have been like, fuck it, the boy did his part. Now, does that make "Uh, them good parents, then? We don't know. He's he's spoiled. Yeah, and he's a hate monger and stuff like that because of their ideals and stuff like that. But... I would say, I mean, his father has a, holds a lot of expectations for him, but he does have a very loving mother if you really examine it. Right. So, I And then she's willing, within the presence of Lord Voldemort, to shield Harry being alive at the end. I know we're jumping all the way to the end of Deathly Hallows, I know. Yeah, we jumped all the way de- down that way, but... And she's like, like, she's like checking his pulse, knows that he's alive, and he's like... Yeah, well, that's why she whispered, is Draco still so alive? And he's like, Harry's like, he's in the castle. She's like, King of the Castle, King of the Castle. King of the Castle. He's dead! Snap. Yep, he's dead, all right. Look at him. He just twists his head around like the exorcist. Like, he. <laughs> 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 oh, no, like, men in black. <laughs> Is that better? He pulls his skin back and stuff like that. Now, in the World Cup, because we're still in the beginning of the fucking book, <laughs> oh, and we're okay. like 40. No, because we're well, almost an hour in. Shit. We're not even at Hogwarts Do yet. We're already talking for an hour? 50 minutes, Holy practically. fuck. So, the Death Eaters show up. And the Death Eaters, we find out, are the the followers of Lord Voldemort. And they're torturing the muggles that live in the area where the World Cup is being held. And there are people cheering. The owner, there's people it's running. It's just the owner and his wife... Wife and daughter of the property that they're right. camping on, but it was feel bad because they like they turned the mother upside down and like her knickers like fall up and yeah. stuff like that. And I'm like, oh my, it was yeah. such great imagery right there, and it is so uncomfortable to play the bee. And a lot of people are running. Some people are cheering on because yeah, that's what we should be doing. <sighs> Just like that, and then now I. Then we see the death mark come out, uh-huh. and you're like, um... Ooh, shit just got real. And like Harry's like, wait, where's my wand? Like in a moment where Harry would need his wand, of course, like for the plot, he does lose it. But in in the foray of like all the zaniness that was going on, it's understandable that he loses it. Yes. Um, though, I mean, I don't know if you guys can help me out with this, but I don't understand why they did this initially. Because I, because from what it's felt like, the Death Eaters all got drunk and like, hey, fuck it, let's keep going. And then Barty Crouch Jr. Spoiler. Decides, hey, let's turn it up a notch. It throws up the death, uh, death eater symbol, and then all the other, all the death eaters are going, okay, too much fun. Too they much sew fun. it up real quick, right? Too there. much fun. No, that's like exactly it, because it literally was Barty Crouch was like, oh, you want to play this game, you non-believers, because Barty Crouch believes all the ones that escaped were. Barty has, believes how Voldemort believes is that you got out of it. Um, and you're not a true believer, so... True believer, yeah. out there. <laughs> Our Stan Lee impression there. True believer. Oh, just saying, like, is it too late to say I'm sorry? No. <laughs> yes, Bieber, it is! But yeah, like, the whole thing, because, um, I mean, it gets brought up later, too, because Sirius asks 
um, Harry, he's like, wait, did you have your wand when you were in the top box? And it's when you reread this and you already know, like, kind of like where the payoffs are and stuff, you're like, how did you not notice that, like, there must have been, like, Mo how did Moody get down and get there the same time that Barty Crouch Sr. came out of the forest? Like, how did, like, it's like, Winky got the wand somehow, somebody had to give her, like, somebody had to be there so i think yeah and like obviously the kids don't fully grasp the severity of the dark mark coming up and the death eaters do and that's why it was such a big calamity and that's why the ministry gets slammed afterwards and especially now they're you know they want to be excited because everybody's like oh there's something really fun coming up at hogwarts but it's also like you have to be safe because of dark mark this is so weird of it. I think the word you're looking for is symbolism. What is the symbolism there? And in the book, Barty Crouch is very like I like the interpretation of Barty Crouch in the movie more than the book, at least in the opening scene when they're dealing with who put out the dark mark. Because it almost seems like he Barty's ready to torture whoever is right there, like mm -hmm. who who could have done it and does not believe anybody in the sec like the least that he thinks that, oh, Harry must have done it. Then he's like, wait, what am I talking about? This is Harry Potter right here. This is by myself and Harry, probably the two only people and the last people on Earth that would ever put the dark mark on. And then he finds out that Winky, his slave elf, I, can't, I just keep thinking it was slave elf and on Winky, you know? Se uh, sexy slave elf. <laughs> God. Uh, uh, no, 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 but not like elf, not ho house, house elf. elf. House elf. Completely and, different. Yes. House elf. <clears throat> Like, no, like, <laughs> elf, like Lord of the Rings elf. Like the chick from uh, The Hobbit who so got funk freaky. In, um, the dwarf. I think that's what we get for all that <laughs> chauvinistic. Uh, see things. <laughs> Dobby is here to save you. <laughs> 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 actually Dobby, what was the, what was the, what was the little uh, rat thing that was always with Jabba that uh, cackled? Uh, Dakota. Wait, what? What was the thing that like the little pet that Jabba the Hutt had? Like the thing that uh, R two? I don't know the name of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think Dobby and Slave Leia Alpha duking it out with that thing. That'd be hilarious. So we find out that Barty Crouch's seniors uh, house of is the one responsible because holding the red-handed uh, wand. That, that that conjured the mark because we find out also a spell that can kind of replay what are the last few spells they've done, which is interesting. And then he just he doesn't dismiss her right then and there, does he? Yes, he does. Oh, okay. Oh no, yes, I'm gonna oh, present you with clothes. Um, is it like uh, Amos degree? Like kind of like God discipline it. You gotta discipline it. But yeah, Arthur's proving like, proving his douchiness, right? Our Earth is like. Kind of a private matter. Kind of a private matter. Like, no, no, you got, shut, bro, bro, you got, you got to take down that, bro. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. That's his department, though. Like, department. Magical magic creatures. Yeah. So, like, he would take a position, like, you better take care of this right now because I want, we need like a payoff for this, and um, so yeah, he ends up, which is, in a way, like that was Barty. Crouch Sr.'s probably biggest mistake, and it's not sneaking out like his son. It was the one thing that was kind of keeping his son at bay was Winky. So now you don't have Winky, and you can't even keep track of your son. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, at that point, 
who almost the, kills you. Like uh, at that point, with the dismissal of Winky, like spoiler loads, Party Crouch Junior is alive and he's mad. I moved throughout the entire book. Shocker, right there. Moving on. Um, Yes, he is the doctor. Now, with the dismissal of Winky, you fee- you think Barty would have bowed out of his responsibilities at the Triwizard Tournament to to keep up like to keep his son at bay. Do you think he'd rather? Do you think he should have done that? I don't think he would have been able to come up with a justification to keep appearances up. His job would have been to be there, so he needed to be there. Right. Um, and Especially that's after why, the... Yeah, so now he has to save face because even when he's, like, when he had his whole fall from grace, like, he was, like, forerunner for the Ministry of Magic, and then, you know, he has that fall from grace. He went back to work, and he just kept going because he thinks if he does that one more thing, you know, he'll regain his momentum so i think it would have looked very strange that after they've been working for months to uh negotiate to collaborate to all this stuff to get the tournament going for him to dip out it would have probably looked even weirder which is probably why barty uh crouch jr waited so long to kind of take him out of the picture um because he needed to be there at for the very least until he dips out. Now, do you feel like there's a moment of hesitation on Barty Crouch Seniors when he comes to the realization that Mickey's responsible for us? What do you think he's thinking? Of? Do you think it's like, oh shit, now my 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 arrangement is kind of all messed up now, or it's well, just like, I right, now I'm really screwed when it no, comes to saving face? I think now it's like, okay, um, he knows it's not Winky. Yeah, he knows he's it's his son. Positive, it's his son because they even like in the book he's like looking around for someone when like, there's obviously like, no one there. It's like Winky's here. Where are you looking for? But like, um, stop being in denial. It was your house. I think elf. it was because nobody knows that his son's alive because everyone thought he died in Azkaban. I think it's now like one of those like, holy shit, where is this kid? Yeah. Um, it's like okay, I gotta keep doing what I've been doing to make hope sure the guy to not tip bounce. off anyone, and I'm going to hunt that motherfucker down. Yeah, and he better not do what I think he's fucking doing. <laughs> Just imagine he gets back to the tent. His son is still sitting on a chair with the with the cloak over. I'm like, hey, Dad. <laughs> well, I heard some commotion. What's going on out there? Where the fuck have you been? I've been here. Winky Prove right it. Now. I, I, I can't. I've been sitting here for yeah, myself. Exactly. Really nice alibi, kid. You're going back to fucking Azkaban. No. <laughs> Gonna hop in my TARDIS then, father. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yes. How <laughs> also would have been like in the middle. Of... I know. We're, right like, we're, we're like just past my face. <laughs> just go three sixty and just whack yourself with it. Imagine Tim doesn't need to. Like, cook, ah, you broke my nose. Uh, I just want more CGI. It like re-edits of Deathly Hallows Part Two like, during the battle. Whoosh, just the TARDIS flying through the background. This <laughs> shit's going down. <laughs> Gets slammed by a troll, goes flying into the Forbidden Forest or something like that. <laughs> Moving on. They finally get to uh, the trio. Ron, Hermione, and Harry find... Harry! Harry. Harry. Oh, yeah, they're in this book. Yeah. Harry! It's not about them. Harry, Harry. Finally get back to Hogwarts, and they find out the Triwizard Tournament, a deadly tournament that has been performed for over 100 years, is coming back, and it's going to be held at Hogwarts. It's going to be another 100 years before they have it again! Yes, because more people die. Lots well, of people. Not really. Just one. This one. Just one bro. So yeah, I guess it's not, so not a real brother. big loss. Bruh. <laughs> bruh. Um, he died, bruh. Um, 
so they get back. They find out the like, Triwizard Tournament is going to happen. Fred and George, even though they're not of age, so like, they you know what? To. They try to get in. Which does is does not work. And I love how Dumbledore's reacts. It's like, oh, it's like. Book Dumbledore. Book Dumbledore, yes. I mean, like, they end up looking like ZZ Top from how they're described as. Yeah, it's exactly like, <laughs> like, all right, like, all right, we're going to. She's got legs. <laughs> oh, you have to go to that song, man. That song is terrible. That song's awesome. I hate that You're- song. You're. As soon as that, that's like the one ZZ Top song I put, like, whatever comes up, I change the station. But I love that song. It is so, like, and I love 80s sounding stuff, but I just don't think it works for ZZ Top. Moving on. I'm just saying that Fred and George probably should have just kept the beards, because they sound like they look hysterical, and Lee Jordan got the biggest kick out of it. Like, he just died the whole time laughing at them. But it's... Um, Duck Dynasty with Fred and George. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it would be. I uh, yeah, and like I feel kind of bad for Ron too because Ron was like, "Oh, if it works, like I'm gonna do it." And like, I also like how Harry had said he's like, "Oh, if I was gonna do it, I wouldn't want everybody watching me. I would probably just like go overnight." Because Harry tends to say things and they come back to haunt him. Yes, like all the time. Like Harry's the biggest like foot and mouth kind of person. I think. Next to Ron. Oh, well, we'll find out more about that in the next book for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like they just Must like they just keep going and going and going. And um, but yeah, and it's almost. I'm glad that they put the age restriction on because can you imagine if it was like Ron in these like tournament? Like it would be like the Hunger Games. He'd be like the first to go. I was gonna say Colin Creevy. Yeah, like Colin <laughs> Ke- or little Dennis Creevy who fell in the yeah. lake. Never, never would have even done it. And even if his grandma like, told him to do it, he wouldn't do it. He'd be like, oh, didn't pick me, sorry, it wasn't the best. Like, he would lie. Because Neville would be the see, worst. Neville wouldn't lie. I think he would lie. I, think, I see Neville as being a horrible liar. He yeah. Would, but, but so, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, it was I'm, Neville from I'm, book I'm, seven, he would have won. That's the thing. If but, it was, if that's it was Neville... the, but that's that's different circumstances. Of course. Uh, if Neville got to try a wizard tournament because of pure stupidity or by pure like horrible luck, yeah, he would have he would have been like on top of Hermione and Harry just for help the entire time. Like, dude, you gotta help me out here. Like, Hermione, give me like I, somehow condense one book into like my brain so I know what the fuck is going weeks on. Weeks weeks beforehand too. Yeah, like he would probably. Stress out to the point where he would become scabbers in uh, Prison of Azkaban, like thin and just losing his hair and just like not functioning. Just be completely neurotic. Yeah. Now, the Triwizard Tournament happens between three schools. We have the women of Bobaton of the France uh, Wizard School. And that one kind of kind of Swiss German at the end of that didn't mean for that. And then we have Durmstrang from was it uh, from up north? But I always just imagine like Scandinavia, Norway. I, I, yeah, not like wait, really up north, like northern Scotland. I, I mean, that's what they say up north, but like, yeah, lots but of planets have a north. Have... <laughs> the doctor I, reference. I, yes, I know. I think like Scandinavia, like in this Scandinavia. Or ice. They specify that it is cold, and they only light the fires like when, like, for classes. They don't even light the fires for like living. So you're just in this like ice castle, just listening to black metal the entire time. <laughs> Corpse pain and everything. <laughs> they bring down never... churches. That's what they do. I'm glad you didn't ask me to pronounce school because I literally even when I'm reading it I just like I'm surprised that I'm surprised that I thought I was gonna butcher that yeah, myself. I just 
Bodepton. What? You look at me skeptical, like I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, and I'm the terrible uh, uh, linguistics. I mean, I had speech uh, uh, classes when I was younger too. Um, and so, and they uh, both schools arrive at different modes of transportation. The uh, Bodepton. Oh, that's that's just slowly descending into. Duh, 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 duh. Damn it! Uh, arrive with a giant, like almost like a Cinderella carriage, just Definitely with flying, sure. just flying, just with flying horses and everything. Huge, like huge, like Disney esque flying carriage is yeah, what I. White pumpkin. Now, what's what? How's that song go? The uh, once uh, the fairy godmother starts um, making yeah, everything. Bibbidi bobbidi. Bibbidi they hear that muffle through the air, like, that's what they're listening to on the way Except in. Except for the horses being drunks. They only drink single malt whiskey. Was it fire whiskey, though? Or is no, it, it was single, single malt whiskey. whiskey. Whoa, all right, Alkies, calm the fuck down. The white horse up until it gets to the face is just pure red. It's <laughs> like that's how much alcohol. It has a fucking alcoholic nose and everything. <laughs> Taking the microwave. Oh man! <laughs> and then Dum trying a vise with a, a ship that comes out of the water, a pirate ship. <laughs> I like that they describe Blasting it. pretty much the way that's what they were listening to. They, like, say, it's like almost like they resurrected, like, a, a sunken ship. Like, it literally looks like, um, like in Pirates of the Ga- uh, Caribbean, the second one. Yeah. Like, that's what I picture, like, Davy like Jones's. Pirates of the Caribbean theme going, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just Disney is gonna, like, soundtrack all of it. Oh, my God, that'd be awesome. <laughs> all right, what would be the theme song for Hogwarts itself, other than their regular theme? What would, like, what Disney song be associated with Hogwarts? I'm thinking. Of, I'm trying I mean, to think of anything. H O G W A R T S. The Disney Channel ah. songs, yeah. Or I'm trying to think of like, is there anything memorable in the Sword in the Stone? No. 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 Moving on. Yeah, you were like yeah. collective. No. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was this? Yeah, Sword in the Stone was the last one that was produced with what was alive. No. Like a, no? Well, was Jungle Book oh, after okay. or before? Says the, the questions the woman who worked at Disney, but yeah. then again, that's a really obscure thing right there. That's a bar trivia kind of thing right I, there. That's one of those things that I would have known, like the when I worked there, and then like you ask me now, and I'm like, crap. Well, I could tell you when my right, Walt Disney me. died in ni- December of 19. 19- oh wow, he almost died almost on his birthday. That's that's depressing. Yeah. He was born December fifth, nineteen oh one. Died December fifteenth, nineteen sixty six. Right before Walt Disney World. Right. Well, the Florida one. Yes. That it was dead. Just do it. The longest, the longest time I, I get those two mixed up. Okay. Anyway. Um, 1966. Well, Fact Checker is going off right now. Um, your feelings on Fleur and Crumb as the, the shining examples of the two visiting schools that also happen to be part of the Tribe Wizard Tournament. Um, I think it's funny that uh, Floor flies under the radar until her name gets pulled up. Like, they say, like, there's a girl that must have been, and, like, she asks Ron for, like, the, oh, my God, the, like, French, like, pudding or whatever, the dessert or mm-hmm. something. And, no, it wasn't a dessert. It was a meal, but it was some weird pudding-looking thing that right. I'm not going to even try to pronounce. 
last big movie that last big Disney movie that Walt uh, Disney was alive for was Mary Poppins. Oh. He died two years later. Interesting. Uh, let me find the last animated Disney. Uh, <sighs> moving on. <laughs> well, he's fact checking. Fact checker. Um, and then Sword and Stone. It was Sword and Stone. Three years before. His Wait, death. did he work on it though, or he just produced it? Because the last I, one I he think worked he, on is Jungle Books. I think he produced it. I think you're right okay. there. So, so we're both right. Everyone wins. Everything is awesome. Everything is great when you're part of a team. Communism song. I honestly think you guys should just wait for like musical segues. No, like it's almost as bad as Family Guy right now. Like that's how bad Dakota and I are when it comes to musicals. I move my microphone even further away from your babbling nonsense. Can you imagine if we videoed this, we wouldn't be able to avoid all that. <laughs> you I can feel my heart was racing oh my inside my chest. <laughs> anyway, and then Crumb. Don't mean it. Only a little. Um, I don't need it. Yeah. Crumb. Yeah, with Crumb. Like I actually car. How do you say car? Karoff. Kakaroff. Kakaroff, whatever. <laughs> I just gotta say it with the accent. I know, if I can't say it, it's if I don't. There's right, certain... Walt Disney did produce Swordstone. What was that? He didn't hit... But did he work on it? He was a producer. No, no, no. But I meant, like, was he part of the animating team? fucking no. <laughs> he was produced by Walt Disney. I'm not. Well, that's somebody's being salty over there just because we're making fun of you. I know, he's just mad because we didn't let him... Let him have a shining everything is awesome moment. Everything <laughs> is not awesome for him right now, that's yeah. for sure. You're gonna cry. You guys suck. No. You're synopsis. That, that's that's that me that's part no, of the game for this podcast. Every time we always think we're gonna make Dakota cry. Oh. Anyway. Awkward silence. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, but so like Kakarov just like coddles crumb almost. Like, yes, this is a product of me. Would really like crumbs. Quidditch ability has nothing to do with his headmaster, but he literally... And also like, another surrogate father's relationship. Mm-hmm. Yep, there's another one. And you don't know anything about Crumb's family, right? Like, there's no. nothing. And, like, he doesn't... Because Flora's little sister is the only one she cared about, which I thought was awesome, because you, you see, like, Hermione and Crumb, you see uh, Cho and Cedric, and then you get Flo... Uh, Flo... Floor. Flor. Flor. <laughs> Flor. Flor. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Finding Nemo. Um, but like yeah. Flow? Yeah, flow. Oh. Oh, I was thinking uh, progressive commercial. Oh, good call. Oh, good call. <laughs> Sprinkles are for winners. <laughs> Wait, are, are we right? Are we right? Flow's the name of that fish. That... Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Her name's Flow too. Oh, um, you are you? <laughs> You're in my way. I can't see. <laughs> I can't see flow. Bubbles is my favorite. Moving on. I know you do love that movie, so this is why I'm like, I'm gonna let you have this it's moment. So Dory comes out this summer, June. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> was, holy shit, we always actually did hit you with the microphone there. This podcast brought to you by Disney Pixar's. <laughs> have we also made contact us? Like, 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 like write hey. them a letter. Yeah, seriously. Three years later. Maybe we'll, <laughs> we could like have them promote on the Disney Channel. That'd be my dream come true. Anyway. I just um, want to work Lucasfilm, that's all. Moving on. But yeah, so f- 
Floor and her little sister, like, I like that that was a family dynamic because then you have, like, Ron and Harry, which are friends, but then the other two are relationships. So, like, Floor. 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 It's not a roller coaster of pronunciation. Yeah, like, Floor. the lever, Crump. Wrong lever. You ever see that thing where someone did that at an amusement park? Yes. I love that. I was like, oh, that's clever. Another Disney right there. Boom. Yeah, so basically, she, you know, we know she's very popular with the, the men. So she could have had whoever she was fancying at the moment that would, but that wouldn't be the true to the task. Like, so I like her, so little sister. So I forget this. Roger doing. Davies. Who <laughs> the fuck is Roger Davies? <laughs> I think he's a raping claw. <laughs> I think you're right. That was fucking the though. I know. Why did you both look at me and you, like you don't remember? Uh, no, no, no. I, I remember like I, like it started with an R, but like you were so defiant in that. It reminded me of a situation somebody had Arnold Palmer uh, iced tea at work and left it on the desk. We're not supposed to have it. Boss comes in and he's like, looks at it. He's like, who's Arnold Palmer? Oh, he's a golfer, boss. No, whose is it? Oh, it's mine. <laughs> Like, who the fuck is that? What the fuck is the internet? <laughs> the words of Jason Mewes. No, you know what? I can explain why I know that. Because that's Woo. the whole sequence when Rita Skeeter is eavesdropping in the, like, the beautiful, like, cherub garden. Like, the fairy garden. So, like, she's, like, making out with him. So that's how I remembered. Because that's when Hagrid confesses to, what's her face? How do you say her name? Oh, Madame Max. Madame Maxine. But don't ask me to pronounce her first name. Yeah, what? That's why I like kind of skipped over it because I didn't want to pronounce her first it. name's impossible. Yeah, like no, it's a gigantic name. I know for yeah. sure. Yeah, and like I can't even say beer, whatever, whatever. They're school. So, like. <laughs> I, I love to kind of respond to my pun there, but uh, Nikki, you missed that. No, I, yeah, I, didn't I was miss like, that. well, she has a gigantic first name, so you know. <laughs> I see what you did there. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just. I said no skin off my back to my girlfriend. And she's like, never. I don't know what that means. It's like, really? You ever heard that expression before? She's found come, but yep, I called it. She's like, you never heard that one? Nope. Well, I've never heard. I've never heard Margs before, but apparently that's a thing. Apparently, oh, I didn't even tell you guys. So apparently, somebody City was here. like, uh, so my boyfriend's best friend. He had taken his girlfriend out uh, for drinks, and that, so somehow he ended up calling my boyfriend and was like, "Oh man, Sam got so wasted off of Margs." And I was so he's telling me this story. I'm hysterical. He's like, "That's exactly how I said you'd react. I said that you were gonna lose your shit because." The last time someone brought up Marks, you <laughs> you lost it. And so, yeah, so Dakota is not the only one that uses Marks. And I looked it up when I hashtagged uh, Marks for Aunt Marge. There's actually a lot of people who hashtag Marge. Marks, not Marge. Marks, I'm like, I'm like <laughs> what, the two people who have? <laughs> Imagine there's people drinking Marks for Aunt Marge all the time, and we just missed it. But no. Dakota, let's have you weigh in on Crom and Flew and Kakaroth and Madame Maxine and all that shite. Give me one second because they're making fun of her. <laughs> Almost no, there. She's like, no one uses no skin off my back. It's like, I'm um, with two people who have heard of that. Yeah, your parents. No, I'm with Tim and Nikki right now. Now, and they're both my age. She's like, yeah. Well, well, well everyone's there is behind the times. I'm like, or are you just behind the times? 
Well, I was, I was, or like, well, if she has, I thought she'd it. go call us imaginary friends. I thought that's what the, I thought that's what the joke was coming la, from. La, la, self. Wait, am I? Is this mm-hmm. all? Am I, am I part of Alec Baldwin's is all Dakota's de- <laughs> delusion? Delusion? You're actually just chapter one. <laughs> We're gonna, you're going to wake up in some. Oh, boy. <laughs> I would like you to talk about the characters. <laughs> Kakarot? Kakarot! I almost said Kakarot. Kakarot. Dragon Ball Z video. It's caca caca carrot cake. <laughs> Freezy pop. Oh Woo! Bring it down a level. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, because the like the one lone fan in Egypt that's listening to this is probably. I have to double check myself. Well, Dakota gets a. Well, Dakota gets a handle over himself. Um. What do, what do you think about Karkaroff? Because I didn't really talk about him. Uh, that I love the fact that when J.K. Rowling describes it, when he smiles, the smile ends at his cheeks and never reaches his eyes. It like it's just like emotion that he definitely regulates himself. Like like how are you doing? And then his yeah. eyes never react. His eyes or never dilate or anything like that. Like you never see his emotions are so controlled when he's dealing with certain situations until later in the story when he starts to lose his shit. And yeah. granted, he has every reason in the world to lose his shit. And they describe him, that was one of the words I actually looked up, and they describe, she describes him, like, more than once in the same page as unctuous, which I looked up, and it basically means that you sound really polite, and everything you're doing is right and polite, but you don't mean any of it, so it's actually, uh, yes, but more malicious, whereas Dexter is literally just because he's a sociopath and has to imitate, whereas Karkaroff, like, knew that he was being rude and knew that he's putting on a fake thing and he knows that he's kind of being demeaning, but he's doing it anyway. Karkaroff seems like the kind of teacher who would beat his his students. Like, like the one student... Karkaroff like, and Snape are the same. It's just the only difference is Snape is way more composed than Karkaroff. And the one, like, the student's like, why couldn't I, like, says something like, oh, can I have more wine? So like that, like, and, and, it's like, and you have, like, you, you've spilled food all over your, yeah. your robes and stuff like that. Slob. I'm like, we should like we should have thrown you out or something like that. And like, almost seems like he could like if he was at his school, he probably raise a hand or a use a trench ball. He is a trench ball. What? And, or use a crucialis curse on him or something like that. Oh, he totally yeah. definitely seems like the unforgiving curses are used at that school. Now, Amanda Maxine is a very prideful woman, or like has a lot of pride because she runs one of the most. Schools that produce them like the most beautiful witches and wizards throughout the world, and the fact that she has a lot of guilt that she is a giant and she's passing off like, "Oh, I am, bi- I am big bold." Liar. Then, yeah, to- yeah. <laughs> I am big bold. Yes. Like if she over- had an Instagram, her Instagram would be a liar. <laughs> I love in the Goblet of Fire movie when she's walking down the aisle, like Shane Spinnaker is like, "That's one big woman." Like, thank you. <laughs> like, thank you for the uh, observation there. And, but she's also very defiant of Hogwarts and stuff like that. And it's kind of like the same attitude that, that Fleur has when they, when Harry's name comes out of the Goblet of Fire and she's the first one, like, this is total malarkey. Yeah. But she wouldn't say that. That's a very Irish thing to say. Like, like a Frenchy way. Yeah. It's the, the, <laughs> that we should have more people represented from, like, our 
school because you have underage wizards and stuff like that. And Cockroft's like, this is madness. Yeah. Somebody just said this is Spark. I kicked him down a, a yeah, hole. Yeah, because Cockroft is more like, you're you're out to get me. You're offending me. You're this. Whereas she's more like, she wants it to be fair no matter yes. what. And because even later on when Barty Crouch is like hallucinating, which is up to the part where I'm at, which is why I know it so well. But he's like. Uh, Clark Croft's bringing 12 students so someone should write Madame Maxine and let her know to up uh, her students yeah. because she would be offended if he brought more than her. Right. So that's like, I think, and you see that throughout all of that because even when they're judging in the task, Karakaroff is like, well, I'm going to give him low numbers, but she's pretty fair. It's yeah. not that she's not like reasonable. She's reasonable. It's just that she is very prideful. Which is kind of a weird thing. It should have been a completely impartial jury to, to do all the judging. Oh, uh, I guess the idea is that... It's a witch trial. Uh, that's... <laughs> Both funny, but true. It's a witch trial. It, it is, but I'm like, they're not, gonna, they're not gonna burn with the stake or hang them. Yeah. They kind of did it. They kind of, like, in their own way, they kind of, like, burnt them out of stake. We're like, uh, so, you're a Death Eater because these two people said you're a Death Eater. I'm not Tough, you're going to ask man, motherfucker. Next case. Next case. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. Bring in the fellas strange by dancing lobsters instead of dementors. Whoo! Yeah, you, you gotta bring joy to that torture chamber, right? Somehow. Um. So Dakota, would you like to join the conversation? I am enjoying the conversation. Yeah, very you guys loosely. Take, you guys take the microphone away from me. A yeah, lot. because you keep like messaging your lady. Because she's being an idiot. My only, I, I don't know what to say about that. I, anything I say could just be really rude and she'd probably hate me. Eh. Well, everybody hates me. I'm a ginger. So your feelings on cock it off. Cock it off. Um, I like him as a character because he, the way you did describe him, the whole like, not like he's just so like, but like he forces himself to show emotions while he's not feeling it at all. I mean, he did fix it. So fix the torment just so that, um, Victor Crumb goes in out of all of his students. Oh, yeah. Uh, he fixed that. and Everybody else is a formality. Yeah. I think he would have just brought Crumb if he could only, like... Yeah, there's no reason for anyone else. Yeah. But, like, yeah, no, Snape and him are cut from the same mold. But I think uh, Snape is more level-headed. Totally. I mean, you could see that even, like, when, like, the Dark Mark's returning and Ka- uh, Kakarov was... Like, talk to me after class. And Snape's like, really... Timing. Why are you bringing this to me now? Wait until class is dismissed. Oh, ho, ho, ho! This <laughs> looks back at it. Like, oh, he's only he's backlit by his jars and everything like that. Um. Uh, yeah. No. But I like him. Madame Maxine was another. Oh, are we? Is, is uh, we do have this name right? It is Madame Maxine, correct? Okay, because uh, I, I feel really bad because we've, like, name dropped it, like, two dozen times. I feel really bad if it's the wrong name. Checking. 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 <laughs> Must go faster. Must go faster. Stay on target. Figure out. <laughs> That's why it sucks to be a Y-Rig in, in A New Hope because he would die and all that kind of stuff. Just like poor kids, even though he was an X-Wing pilot. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> Do not know why I, I, I had a um, moment of hesitation there. I apologize, listeners. Now, as well as these two t- schools come there, we have a new defense against a dark arts teacher. 
the aura mad eye moody can i tell you even though it's not really mad eye i actually really love mad eye like yes. just both like fake mad eye real mad eye like i love all of that because the whole thing is if you worked as an aura like you would be super paranoid like oh, yeah. it, no matter like any sane human is just like um you think of all like people who come back um from war it's like it changes you as a person so you would be really like kind of uh cautious and like i every time he yells aka like i read him in all caps yelling <laughs> uh constant vigilante like yes like i think that's great because that's what an aura should be and later when you meet the real man i it's really not that far off like, no they're, they're pretty similar i i almost like the question is did when rowling started writing the book did she know i wonder if she had the twist planned in mind or she started writing it and then like oh, oh that we could just do this and thank you we, we established it like five minutes ago yeah, and <laughs> somehow Nikki beat you to the punch. I don't know how she did it though. I had I had Harry Wiki up. Smart. I had the, I had the ga- Goblet of Fire I like book pooch up. I'm sorry. No, I I didn't. I, no, 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 no. I see that I've been replaced. <laughs> I will be going now. Yes, we replaced you with technology. Wait, wait on a mid eye. Here you go. You're included. No, you're just doing this because you feel bad. <laughs> I don't. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Were you done with your? No, the question, my, the question I brought up is like, do you think when she was writing Mad Eye and the characterizations they shut up, set up throughout the entire book, do you think she had the twist in mind so we know how true Mad Eye really is, or is like she always had in mind like, oh, this is just Party Crouch playing Mad Eye Moody? Uh well, it's I think it's I mean I do think that it's Barty Crouch Jr. playing Mad Eye Moody to the point where. He's playing Mad Eye Moody. Uh-huh. I mean, who? It's not hard to imitate a man who's very paranoid because mm-hmm. it's very clear that he was a very paranoid, uh, paranoid man in retirement. Yeah. So, and also, but it's all it's, it's easy. He he could have overdone it or not done it enough that could have raised suspicion. Right, but being that I think um, because uh, Crouch Junior was just so like, I mean, he was wasn't he hunted down by Mad Eye? I mean, no, he was. He, I know he was there for the sentencing. But, I don't know if he was the one who actually caught him, though. No, he was not. Uh, he was there for the sentencing. Yeah, because he was but, there in every memory and right. Pencil. But he was. But, but I'm assuming that because Mad Eye was bringing all these uh, Death Eaters to um, Barty Crouch. Mad Eye was one of the only auras that was actually bringing them in alive because Barty Sr. said that it's okay that they could be brought in uh, dead. Yeah, but... But he would, he would try his damnedest to bring him in alive. If, he, if it was a no-win situation, he yeah. would kill him. Yeah, no, but just him being around that up until he got caught, knowing what his tendencies were, I think Barty Crouch got a good feel for him. Even in hiding, he probably heard his father just bitch about uh, Mad Eye Moody in retirement. Yeah. So I think that it's he pretty much got a scope of how to act and everything like that. Plus, he who knows, he could have been observing Mad-Eye for like a long time before he actually shoved him into a trunk. His TARDIS trunk. It pretty much is the TARDIS. It's Vicky right? Salmi. Vic on the inside. inside. More time law technology. More, but, more Doctor um, Who jokes. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a uh, dismissive sigh. No. I apologize. But anyway, I think Mad Eye Moody was a lot of fun. 
and I do think um, Rowling had the, uh, the twist in mind when she started okay. because it was a very complete, uh, complete shock when everyone like it's not Bad Eye Moody. Then who the hell are you? So I think she played that very well. Where there, and if you read back in there, there's subtle hints. Maybe it's not Mad Eye because there's certain like things going on. Like the sneaker yeah. snoops going sneak off. Sneaker snoops always yeah. going off. Um, he shadows in the mirror, which but, I didn't get until like the third time through this book that I finally understood what that thing was. I mean, for Mad Eye, he could use it, but he's probably but they're inside. It's probably Death Eaters and people he brought in. Right. But and then the trunk. I'm not sure in the book if the trunk started like. No. That was only so. in the movie. I think so in the movie. Yeah. Okay, though so that adds a little bit to it. In the... Yeah, but I mean that's. But they had to in the movie. Yeah. yeah, because the movie you miss all the really subtle things. So like, and the whole thing too. Like he he really did like everything right because Mad Eye would be kind of roaming the halls really randomly. Like he would be like um he. He would be drinking out of his own hip flask. He would be doing this. He would be doing that. He would turn a kid into a ferret. Like, even though these are... And it's funny because their chorus load is actually really good. And the thing that also is a testament to how good Lupin was as a teacher is that he said, Lupin left me detailed notes on where you guys are at the chorus load. Which, you know, Coral didn't do and... Freaking Lockhart didn't teach. To Quirrell's defense, he Quirrell didn't think he was going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. To his yeah, defense. You're right. okay, fine. And fine and Lockhart. But things came, came down face with to a face sudden to him. Case of amnesia. Yeah, but Lockhart didn't even have a course loader. Like, yeah, well, that do, that doesn't mean he. Don't take away from he, him. Okay. okay. <laughs> his favorite character in the entire yeah, series. Why you're, you're, are yeah. you? You're you're deflaming your favorite character. But yeah, no, but Lupin like Lupin actually wrote to him and said, Hey, this is where you know, each level is at. So like for them, the Unforgivable uh, Curses chapter was actually one of the hardest, though, to read because I felt so bad. Equal parts bad for Harry and for Neville. Um, Neville. But, like, in the movie, you just feel bad for Neville because they make it, like, so dramatic. But, um, like, I guess Harry never really realized what the killing curse was until it was brought yeah. Right down to his attention in class. Like, can you imagine you find out, like, the way, like, your biggest personal tragedy, which everyone knows about, so it's not even like you can hide it, your biggest personal tragedy that everyone knows about, and then you get to see it performed in front of you, in front of all of these people who you may or may not like, because, I mean, that any given moment with Harry, like, I feel like he has a love-hate relationship with his classmates. Right. So, like... I can't imagine that. And then poor Neville, who you don't know at this time, like, exactly what happened with Neville's parents. All you know is that Neville didn't take it too kindly when the Cruciatus curse, is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah, that was good. close? Yeah. Um, was performed. Yeah, there was a meme, and I thought you guys would appreciate it, but it was just like, never make fun of someone for mispronouncing a word because it means they learned it while they were reading. And I was like, oh, it's like my life story because I can't <laughs> speak and I read a lot, so... Yeah, but that's why I made sure I looked up a lot of words before we did the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, it's now. Do you think Barty Crouch Jr. is like, oh, Longbottom when he's going through the itinerary of everybody's like, oh, I'm going to fuck with him today? I, I, I don't think it was mean. I don't think because where is Barty? The thing about Barty Crouch is like Barty Crouch. <laughs> <laughs> Barty Crouch is rather itchy bad, I you know. Talk today. Um, the thing about like Junior is that. I almost think 
he idolized Voldemort just strictly out of um, like desperation for a pseudo father figure because Crouch was like everything he didn't like. Yeah, like I, I think it started as a spite though. I think he actually kind of believed him, but I don't think he appreciated like torturing people like some of the other Death Eaters, like the Lestranges, the Avery. Like, I don't think he appreciated it. So for Neville, I think he almost kind of sympathized with Neville. He was uh, on trial with um, uh, what's her face for uh, the for doing what they did to the Longbottom Bellatrix. So him, Bellatrix, and like a couple other Death Eaters were on trial for what they did to the Longbottoms, and he's freaking out. So I think he, it wasn't his intention for what happened to the Longbottoms to happen. Yeah. I think, to be honest with you, he probably would have rather preferred the Longbottoms to be killed outright instead of being tortured, tortured. to, ins- yeah. which is just mental lapse. So I think, in his own way, yes, he gave the the botanical garden, magical botanical uh, book to Neville. To bore Harry to use, but at the same time, I think he was sympathizing with like, I'm kind of responsible for what happened to your parents. So tangentially, yeah. And it's like guilty by association too, because he was. They were trying to find Voldemort, and it's almost kind of like they went too far, and he was along for the ride. Like I don't, I don't think there was really like, hey, let's torture this young. They thought that Neville was the kid from the prophecy, and yeah. that they would know. So. I think a lot of it was because even when he's like, "Oh, like Madame Sprout says, you had a really good, uh, you know, skill for uh, herbology." Like that was a compliment. Never, never gets compliments on any of his studies. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, there, I think there's some like there's a softness there that you don't expect from a Death Eater, especially because you think of all the Death Eaters that we have been officially introduced to. You look at Lucius, you look at Snape. Karkaroff, which you don't really know until later, but still, Karkaroff, none of these people seem like super sympathetic people. So here you are, you have somebody who has sympathy in them. It's it's a weird paradox. It's almost what I would imagine um, Sirius's brother, Rick, how do you say it? Rick, Rick, Reggie, Reggie Black, that's what I <laughs> Sirius, my brother Reggie. <laughs> Reggie Black in the house. Go Reggie, um, go Reggie, go. Reggie, go. I think it's Reg- Gallius or something. I know. I can't. But the say the it, one but... thing I that always bothered me about the trial Regulus. of Regulus. Regulus yeah. Right. Well, well, you know, you know, Regulus, de- <laughs> you know, Regulus, serious decaf, all kinds of those things, stuff like that. Um, Venti. <laughs> the problem I always have with that scene when we see Barty Crouch Jr.'s sentence that he is crying and he's weeping for his mother and his father just to save him. Now, if he was such a true believer. Wouldn't he been like the strange, the strange uh, couple been like, you know what? Fine, we're gonna take it on face value because I believe my dark lord one hundred percent, and not whimpering like a child, like please mm-hmm. save me. And then, and then we see him later, like I am, I am what the Death Eaters are personified supposed to be. They were it older, right? Very... Yeah, they were, they were like Sirius's age, right? Yeah, so it's probably so Barty late twenties like, or thirties at that point. Yeah, because I think Barty's nineteen. Team, yeah. So, like, I think a lot of it is, you ever, like, see, like, those kids that get involved in, like, cults, and they don't really know what they're getting involved in? Yeah. Like, that's what I think it is, and I don't know if it's so much, like, that, oh, he wasn't a true believer. I think a lot of it kind true of was. True believer. Like, I, like I said, I think he, he stood with Voldemort, he liked with Voldemort, but he's still scared. Like, he's still, like, a, a kid, almost, and, like, I, mean, I just think, well, in the wizarding world, you're an adult at 17, but, like, still, um, I just think, like... 
I don't think he would be like, oh, I make peace with it. Because if he made peace with it, he would have stayed in Azkaban and not switched out with his mom. Mm. So. You want to weigh in on this, Dakota? No, I mean, it, it's complicated because I see your point because it is very opposite reactions. Yeah. Unless it's like, like Nikki said, he didn't know what he was really getting into. Mm. And then went in, in seclusion. Um Maybe there's the hate for his father just keeping him, like, imprisoned in his own house. Right. It just ate away at him. Like, maybe this is a test for Voldemort and everything like that. And then he started really drinking the Kool-Aid there. Yeah. That's what I think it went... What happened? Because, like, Voldemort refers to him as his most loyal follower, and I think that Bellatrix would probably be the one that I would consider his most loyal follower. (laughs) There's a... There's a, uh, there's a comic about that. Um, Voldemort's hugging Draco, like, good job, Draco. Now go away. And then Draco's like, <laughs> like after Voldemort gave him a hug. Yeah. And Voldemort's watching Draco go on the next panel of Bellatrix and standing there. I want to be hugged, Pastor! Hug me! <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm just imagining, like, like we were saying, bringing up cults. I'm just imagining, like, the Manson family now and stuff like that. And, like, Squeaky just, like, wanting for approval from Charles Manson. I'm like, that is totally what the Death Eaters are probably are now. Moving on. Um,. <laughs> the Triwizard events themselves, starting starting with dragons. Dragons? Dragons. Dragons? As I am the last one. Ah. So Harry is part of the Triwizard Tournament binding, and did not, we do not know who put his name in the Goblet of Fire. Harry, who did put your name in the Goblet of Fire? <laughs> yes, we just, we just moved the microphones back in, in a very... Sensual emotion, sensual like, uh, but in the book, I, and, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Why do you always Because well, I, I do. I'm sorry. <laughs> Assless chaps into the woods, into the woods, into the woods, into the woods. And so <laughs> Harry is now ostracized from his friends with the session of Homo. Yeah, but even, like, a lot of people, like, well, a lot of Gryffindors, like, hey, you got in. Like, hey, you did well, stuff like that. Hermione's like, why did you do that? Like, I didn't do that. Like, okay, I, I believe know. you. Yeah. But the rest of the school is just like, who the fuck? Like, you're already the chosen one in people's eyes, even though people don't say it. Now you got to upstage it by, like, have to keep your, and, like, your ego has to be keep refilled. It's a total Snape point of view. Like, everybody's on the same side at that moment. Like, yeah. why do you have to be the center of attention at all times? And Harry's just like, I just want to fade into the fucking wall and just be go through my daily life. Now I got to deal with dragons, mer people, and a plot convenience that gets me to a graveyard. Uh, it's, whole plot convenience. It, the whole try was a tournament. Let's just a- attack that before we break down. Okay, because that's really the substance of this book. And if we don't get to the other parts, I think we're good. Because if you like want, if if the whole thing is to get Harry to that graveyard so he can be, that Voldemort become whole again. Why the fuck didn't like make that book about herbology the portkey and give to Harry and have him zoomed out of the school? Or why didn't like I don't know Barty Crouch use the invisibility cloak, cloak break into Gryffindor in the middle of the night, cut Harry to get the blood, and then resurrect Voldemort? Why go through? I know it's like the the convenience of the book to have those kind of things. I'm sorry, we're kind of tearing your no, your favorite, no, no, no. but like or even the go. And I'm like, oh, why not? Why not the egg? Like, get him to the like. He's like, like, like. Mad. I was like, like, use your skills. 
Your skills. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Winking with both eyes, yet one doesn't have an eyelid. <laughs> like, like, use your got. Why are you just? Why are you? Why are you looking at me with one eye? I'm winking. No, you're not. Oh, I forgot that it has no. Uh, okay, this eye. Right. <laughs> like, use your broom. God, damn it! Listen, do I really have to spell it out for you? Yes. Uh, yes, because I'm a little bit of a moron. <laughs> like, I can see where Snape's coming from. Like, why not make the egg the port key at that point? Because it, I don't think, well, at that point, may, um, good point. Because it's not a good point. <laughs> it's not a tuba. Well, how does they, the eggs, there's four eggs. So what happens if you port keys the wrong one? And you have Fleur in the graveyard. Well, we, we well, I don't know, we snap her neck and we throw her into the fire. To yeah, keep, but then she's them. missing. And then it's like, oh, well, one of the fucking contestants is missing. Probably Harry killed these people off because, you know, Harry's evil. And Harry's singing, they're like, hey, we're going to off. Was <laughs> he like a Bond villain sitting in the tent? It's like I am Harry fucking Potter, your new god. <laughs> I'm like, take me in, coach. <laughs> okay, first of all, I know why they couldn't do it earlier because the whole thing is Voldemort wants to come back, but he doesn't want the Wizarding World to know he's back because he wants to. Blitz attack. But he can't blitz attack if he steals Harry because Harry will disappear and then they'll be like, oh my god, who did it? It was Voldemort. So, because... unconscious, he's still unwillingly giving blood. No, 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 but it's not. He wants to have his blood, make sure it works, resurrects himself. Then he wants to kill Harry. Like, this is when he's supposed to kill Harry and that's not how it works. Like, so he doesn't get to kill Harry because it... The stupid wands being the same as that they are. And so... Also, I had another theory and this crazy little plot thing. So, you know how in the Weighing of the Wands they say that Cedric's uh, wand has a unicorn hair in it? Yeah. Do you think that's the hair of the unicorn that Voldemort killed? Since the world... Because, you think about it, in order for Voldemort to come back, he had to have the blood of the unicorn in the second book. He was surviving off of... It's a miserable... The first book, you're right. Um, so it's a miserable existence, but he's surviving off of it. So if it was the same one, and Cedric is a necessary death. But not Cedric just... Was he was a, a casualty, but it, so was theoretically the unicorn. The unicorn's not supposed to... He wasn't like, in my grand scheme of things, I shall kill a unicorn. He was like, I need to survive, so I killed the unicorn. But yeah, that was just in my crazy little plot thing, but I was thinking about Cedric. So you need the portkey in the... Within the tournament, because Harry's death needs to look like an accident, or something won't add up, just like if it had been Floor or any of the other contestants. Then why not at the Quidditch World Cup during the uh, zaniness? Because they can't, because they can't. And yeah, that wasn't planned, and they couldn't get to Harry anyway, because Harry was too protected. When you're in a tournament where contestants have died, and they're taking every precaution, does not mean a precaution's serious, but... Overshot it. (laughs) Okay. Some counterpoints to your counterpoints. Okay, so one, Cedric being a necessary death, he wasn't. Cedric wasn't supposed to reach the center to the goblet of fire. Um, so I don't get that, but okay. Um, and if you want to look, make it look like an accident, why not have some? Why not hi, like hide out in the maze and take Harry then? Because then them like, oh, magical creature just ate him or but killed him or something. Like. But no, they, he reached a trophy, and then what did they do? Well, the trophy killed him somehow? Yeah, but like, they weren't going to, like, they'd have to get his body out. 
So like, regardless, you can't apparate. You can't. You can't apparate on Hogwarts grounds. So you, they would have had to get Harry's body to the graveyard because they needed Tamriel's bones, which theoretically, you're right, could have been brought to somewhere else. But they have the gathering at the graveyard because he wants this whole big ceremony. Because I don't know if you know this, but Voldemort's super dramatic. So yeah, yeah so like, he, I <laughs> can touch you now. Yeah, both in the book and movie, he is very dramatic. He's a very dramatic character, very flair for that. And I think that's because he was so neglected as a child, but regardless. Um, so they have to, they it. wait for him to win it because the idea was that they wouldn't it wouldn't the ties wouldn't be put together right away. Because even when now Harry comes back, Harry's living, and they still don't believe that Voldemort's back. Half people do, half the people don't. Yeah, but I, for someone that's trying not to be like, oh, I'm going to lay low when I come back and everything. Your first matter is killing the most fame, one of the most famous wizards in all of time is not exactly laying low. Yeah, but, yeah, but he needs he needs he wants a body back. He doesn't want to stay a shriveled up child with a flat face. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. if he wants to lay low, why not do what I said? Unwillingly cut him somehow, put his blood into a vial. That way, you still have the blood there to un- that is unwillingly given from his enemy to put in the potion to come back. And then, okay, I'm back. Now, Harry does, and back that again. way, nobody knows Harry's not saying to Dumbledore, he's fucking back. Yeah, but Harry's supposed to be dead. Harry's supposed to die. Yeah, but then if he dies, wouldn't you think Dumbledore would have been like, I'm on the case? No, they would have thought he died in the maze. They would have no, thought he died he in the maze. The yeah, but he made he it, he would have made it towards the cup, but you could have blamed it on, especially since the curse crumb. Crumb is under but the Imperious Cross. Well, before that. Yeah, but he was under the Imperious Coach. Before so we go any further, been... I just want to say, like, you guys yeah, seem to be getting very agitated to each other. I say just bring attention a little bit low because I feel like I don't want like, a friendship know, being ruined over the plot. <laughs> yeah, I defended your Lupin! <laughs> I'm like, these are not my mic stands either, so I don't want those being oh, yeah, broken so, as well. Yeah. Don't break the mic stand. You're right. These are expensive equipment, so we'll turn it down. So, but I, I like it. If we really want to, we could crowbar. All of these books apart, if we really wanted to, no. it's just something that's very like to fill up pages, and it's a journey for Harry to get into there. I just feel like it could have been done differently. But then again, if you really wanted to, why not the fucking Eagles just fly people from Rivendell right to Mountain Doom and drop the ring in? If we really want to get asinine about it, but and every hero has to go through like an obstacle course yes. in their story, so that's the kind of thing. And the whole thing is, it's a perfect setup because the whole time you're so engrossed in Harry and the Triwizard, you kind of like you're like, oh yeah, there's all these little strange things like the dark. Harry doesn't know that the dark mark is the dark like. A communication thing, like he doesn't understand that. He just knows that Karakorov is like freaking out about something, like has no idea. Right. So it's kind of like there's all these little things, but you're like, oh my god, is he gonna make it through the next test? Oh my god, what creatures is it? Like, where are we going from here? It's true. Now, since we've we've danced around like the about the tournament itself, what the events are. The first event, obviously, is dealing with dragons. Um. And then things of that nature. Now, I feel like there's so much build up to the first match, and I feel like they almost the third match, the third like tournament thing, like kind of doesn't get as much as suspense as the other the other two. First one is it's per- perfection when it comes to writing, like like we don't like especially like Harry's the last one to go, and he's just hearing what's going on out there and just imagining what's gonna happen. What do you think about the first match? 
Uh, well, I like I like that it was dragons, and I like that Hagrid's the one that told him about said dragons. Uh, it would have been kind of cool if uh, Norbert Ta, uh came back, right? Because but they wanted nesting mother, so I guess theoretically in like timelines, it would have been uh, like would. I don't know what the aging process is on dragons, so I don't want to like assume that like they like presto big and they're mature and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, look at elephants. Like, that takes, what, 15 years to mature? Yeah, sharks take, like, eight. What was that again? Sorry. <laughs> you nearly knocked me out. No, sharks, even, like, okay, I guess a shark, like a great white shark, takes about eight years to mature. I watch too much Discovery Channel. Don't ask. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not judging. But, yeah, no. That's one thing yeah, Norbert, and we don't even know if Norbert is a girl. Yes, she is. They 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 like, Yeah, they're probably like, oh, Norbert's not a boy. It's a, he's like, Norberta or something like that. I have no recollection of that whatsoever. It's like a throwaway line, and they keep moving. Oh, okay. It's and not like Archie and Jughead, or like, like that. me knowing that she went to the the ball with Roger Davies. It's just one of those weird yeah. facts that I know. But um, yeah. So like, and that's I'm kind of glad that Harry tipped off Cedric because that would have been a super douche move not to because even uh, does does Moody say like Moody says like I didn't think you were going to tell somebody no, says it right no cheating is a is a part of no but somebody says that but then somebody else says like I, I didn't I told Hagrid to help you I didn't think you would tell Cedric that wasn't something he was planning on right was that how, how it happened no um Mad Eye comes over to him and be like, "That's a very honorable thing what you just did. Okay. Totally, totally wrong, but very honorable." Which is something that he respects, and I think that's one, another reason why he probably keeps an eye on him is because it's like, even if he is the you like, um, like the most hated enemy of your like greatest teacher, there's a part of him that probably seems just like, huh. He's not. A, he's not just a terrible person. He is a human being and stuff like that. And moral fiber. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and I love the fact that like it's set up early on about the um, summoning charm and stuff like that. And Harry does not get it, but Hermione just gets it right away. Yeah. And it's an awesome moment in the book that he's just like, "Asio Fireball." The name just like people are like. Good- like in the movie too, they do it. Yeah, the, yeah. and like everybody's like, "Wait, what did he called for from the the his um uh, his broom comes and everybody's like, okay, that's smart thinking on Harry's part." When we get to the movie, I do have an issue with the firebolt, but that's when we get to the movie. Put a pin in it. Yes, and so, <laughs> it, 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 you know he probably looked really stupid the first two challenges because there's a moment of pause in each of the tasks because. It's while he's waiting on his fireball, which even if it comes quickly on the summoning charm, it's going to take a minute. It's coming all the way from the castle. And then you have while he's chewing the gillyweed. Yeah. So, like, he has these, like, really awkward pauses, which are very characteristic of Harry. Like, he's a super awkward guy. I'm just imagining, like, just a funny scenario, like... Like how strong is that charm? Just like it just punched a hole through Hogwarts. So it's like there's a there's a broom shaped <laughs> like hole. Like the Kool Aid Man, exactly. Like a fireball. <laughs> or it broke going through a window, so the fireball's broken, being ha- hanging on like as it's like <laughs> trying to as it tumbled over himself. Yeah, like I mean, you fl- got to get the fireball some credit for hanging in there. Yeah, um, and that he pulls off. Doesn't he like? Uh, doesn't he use the move that Crumb used at the, the Ronsky faint? Another thing right there. Like, yeah, the Ronsky faint. And then that Crumb eventually 
says, you know what, that was pretty cool what you did that during the first tournament. By the way, the Ronsky feint, that's exactly, if, remember in the first movie, the first Quidditch match, how the, both him and the other guy are going straight towards the ground? Yeah. That's the Ronsky feint. Yeah, you, you, you you're going to look like, and you're going to like fake out the guy. Either he's going to pull up before you, or you're going to, or crash. he's going to crash. Doesn't like also one of the guys from Ireland try that and it fails and he ends up crashing? Yes. The captain does it, right? I don't know if it's captain, but someone did. Right. It was Lynch, wasn't it? I think it was the seeker. It was the other seeker. Oh, okay. That because it's a seeker's move to right. try and knock out the other seeker. Good point. Um, Which, he may he may be the captain. I think he might actually because be Cedric's the captain. the captain and he's the seeker I, in that. Yeah, scene. I don't know if all the like I don't think because I mean you look at um, Oliver Wood and he was the keeper and he was the captain. So I don't know if it's necessarily and even Victor Crumb wasn't the captain. He yeah. just was the seeker. So like. It, it's not like necessary that it, but I I'm pretty sure Lynch was the captain. Which I have to appreciate J.K. Rowling bringing Wood back for that one little snippet because it's like, yeah, I'm the keeper for the uh, blah 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 farm team. It's like good for you, Wood. Yeah. Good for you. You're doing things with your life. And he doesn't he doesn't, he, doesn't he show up at the end of Deathly Hallows too, coming through the hole like to defend Hogwarts as yes. well? Okay, yeah, Wood shows up, but he doesn't get any lines. I think no, he just like hi hi Wood here. Wood for wood. Um, and then <laughs> the second tournament that after getting the first, um, the golden egg, get a golden ticket, moving on. Um, Harry, go take a bath. Yeah, I know. With the egg. I know. It was so strange and stuff like huh? that. Like, and it's like, yeah, of course. Yes. Um, I'm not, not bringing it in the bath. <laughs> and so Cedric Diggory played by Keanu Reeves. Whoa! <laughs> no, no, but like if it was if it was like Keanu Reeves with Bill and Ted, but he was just really into it, and not just very stoic Keanu Reeves, right? Excellent. Ah, <laughs> uh, I, I don't care what anybody says. I love Keanu Reeves. Ugh. I'll tell you the true story. That was that. Uh, was it uh, me going? Uh, it's just because uh, 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 because I'm having trouble breathing for some reason well because whatever we put a microphone on you around you you start falling apart whether we're shooting a movie or doing I a podcast get so excited clearly anyway yeah this time you go around moving on up to the side. <laughs> wow Freaking Jefferson's. We were not. I was not expecting making a Jefferson's reference in here. So the second um, challenge is that something you desire or you find something really important to you is being taken away from you and being tossed to the mer people. And you the know, mer- I love Harry's first thought. It's like they better not take my firebolt. He is totally cut someone. If they took my firebolt. Yeah, and I guess because he was. The whole thing is Harry took a very literal translation, so. When there's something you will miss, he thought, okay, they're going to take a thing. Never really kind of thought that it could be a person. But in all fairness, he didn't exactly give himself a lot of time to figure this out. Like, he kind of uh, waited was, till yeah. last second. But that's, it's an allegory yeah. for people to do a test and, at school. Because I, or papers or what have you. Because a lot of people wait till last minute. Procrastinate unite yes. tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, and that's um. So and even that's why when when he's down in the depths of the Great Lake, he was convinced that you know his other best friend, along with this you know very innocent little girl, and his crush are all gonna 
dies. So like he does, he takes it so serious, and everybody's like, "You're so stupid! Like why are you taking it so serious?" But he took it really serious, and so that's why his first note was the firebolt, which was very like cute, naive of Harry. You gotta give him props for that. Yeah, and that's um, I do think I think he should have got perfect marks, but I mean, really, in the end, it doesn't matter. No, he, you know, like. I do find it funny that the Murr people were so threatening throughout the entire thing, and then it's like with their tridents and stuff like that. I'm just imagining like, like uh, Ariel's father, kind of like Murr people, but like uglier it's looking. Scary, yeah. I shall call this one the Adventures of Harry Potter and the Land of the Aqua People. That would also if Aquaman came in and saved <laughs> Harry Potter at the end. And then I just swooped in, seeing that the lad was struggling, and I brought him to the surface. But, oh, but, but, there, was something, awesome. but there was something lost he in translation. Himself into Aquaman. <laughs> 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 My ability to talk to fish has no effect here, Wonder Woman. <sighs> The Powder Puff Girls. That is the best thing, best short ever. Yes, Nicky has shoot. no idea what we're talking about. I'm looking. No, no, no. At the end. I know. I already have the Harry Potter SNL skit. Lined yes. Up. Um. <laughs> now, and my favorite moment of that is at the very end when Dumbledore is talking to, uh, yeah, the chief uh mer person. He's speaking a mermaid to him, and I remember when I was re-listening to it. And I texted my girlfriend because she's she loves mermaids. She wants to be a mermaid. She believes she's a mermaid. Mermaid. And and the funniest thing is like, and I I, I texted the quotation like, and Dumbledore was speaking mer to the mer king or something like that. And I said like, of course Dumbledore would speak mer. Why wouldn't he? And she thought that was hilarious. And <laughs> imagine if it was like dolphin speak. <laughs> that, that, that's how I think it. It's, it's a lot of squeaks and stuff like that too. And. It's weird because do you think it's kind of like almost like a false tournament because there was no real danger in that? The, sure, the contestants thought it was real, but no, but, but the, well, there's the no first, real danger well, the, there. The first challenge and the last challenge had the most danger in it. Um, I mean, the four contestants that were kidnapped weren't <coughs> exactly like – they were like – yeah, but they, they didn't volunteer to be in there. They just, oh, McGonagall wants you. Knock out. Yeah, no, they, but they, but no, like as soon as they wake up, they're like, yeah, of course. Like they were, but they were, they never felt they were in danger though. No, they did not. <laughs> Ron wakes up like, why am I underwater? <laughs> yeah, he's like, like he's just yodeling underwater. That's <laughs> that's how he wakes up. Um, uh, no, I mean, I guess. I mean, before like the contestants, it's very real. I mean, you have the Grindylows attacking you. Yeah, I mean that's a real very, danger. Real there. danger. Flo couldn't. Oh, Flo. Oh, Jesus. Flo couldn't. Oh, <laughs> I keep calling her Flo. Huh? Is she, that that's perfect. her nickname, Flo. Flo. Bundles the mer people. Mer people insurance. That's why she's so charming. Flo from Progressive must be part Vila. Um, but explains she, everything. Yeah, that's it. But yeah, like she didn't make it through the the Grindelow, and then, like, some of their charms, too. Like, the whole thing is they think it's real. And now, these are, like, deep-sea mermaids. Like, I love mermaids, too, so, yeah, like... like yeah, like, they're... Well, I mean, they were what I would imagine a deep-sea mermaid would look like. Just, like, deep, like, sea fishes that are super scary and, like, the things that haunt your nightmares. Yeah. So that's what... These are not, like, your friendly neighborhood mermaids. Do they... Don't they mention that these mermaids don't look like... Caribbean mermaids. They, yeah. They, yeah, yeah. It's like the 
t-shirt too in the bathroom. Yeah, that's like a oceanic Caribbean warm weather mermaid, but yeah, they get all funky looking. And they were they like but like I love how the fact that they're just so nice afterwards once the cup just like, yeah, like huh? Like he did a wonderful job. He should get full points. Like they're, they're totally supportive of like what he needs he to late. do. He was, well, the reason why he was late was because that he was helping everybody out. Yeah, and like they they, they could have been total snobs about him and like no, he he broke he, several rules. Yeah, like Karkaroff when he gave him what a four out of ten. Oh, that was the first. Time. Oh, okay. So they don't break it down. He would have had first full points. Um, yeah, he would have had full points, but um. Hungarian. Karkaroff was the only one that was kind of like no, no. So like, it it was, it was probably like nine, 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 and then like he was low again, yeah. which is exactly what happened in the first one. He wasn't gonna give him good points no matter no. what. But um, yeah, like, and the thing with those more people because Moni Myrtle is like petrified. Like she's like, I'm not going any further. They scare me. So I think they are scary. But the fact that they ha- they probably have really good relations with Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they never would have been able to even come up with this challenge. Yeah. So I think they know they're. It's like it's okay. They're invading our space for just today. Right. Um. But like, say like, a, for whatever reason, a student ventured down there. Like, I don't think things would end so well. No, but um, I could t- totally see that as a dare. Yeah. And especially now that they know, like, who really knew that? Everyone just Everyone knew the squid was in there, yeah. Which is like, why was the giant squid so, like, complacent with all this shit yeah, going you on? Yeah, this... you have a Cthulhu monster just hanging out there. Just like, just like, yep. I'm just you gonna, know one I, of the I, first podcasts I ever uh, listened to was called The Giant Squid? And that was, like, one of the first pot, And they had Wizard Rock that they would play on it. Like, that's funny. Yeah, so, but that's every time I hear it now, I, I think of that giant squid's mm. voice. Which does not match up with the giant squid of the book. And it's weird because whenever I think of what the squid looks like, I think of from Lord of the Rings when they're trying to enter the mines of Moria. The squid attacks him and it's like tries to eat Frodo and stuff like that. That's the squid I see. So I'm just like, why? How is he just so okay, chill? So I was researching off mic. So Harry got an eight from Madame Maxine, uh, a nine from Barty Crouch, and. Uh, Nine from Dumbledore, ten from Ludo Bagman, and a four from Kakarot. It was a four, okay. Uh, that was the first. That was the first challenge. Let me just okay. See Ludo. So we've kind of neglected it up until the point, like we were saying before. Ludo Bagman. Yes. Feelings on him. Ludo Bagman seems like the perfect, like, like high school football star that never quite grew up. No. Like, he's literally that in the Wizarding World. He was, you know, a Quidditch star. He was on a Quidditch team. I, like, forget which ones. So that goes to show I don't remember everything. But did he play for England or was yeah, it one did. of the, the lesser? Yeah. Okay. And then it was like, now he's a sports announcer, so he's always saying relevant. Well, no, he's more than a sports announcer. He's the but he's of, the head um, of the department. Head of Department of yeah. Magical Games and stuff. So, but he announces that and then he does the World Cup and then he does um, the Triwizard Tournament. The thing with Bagman though is he also is probably one of those people like he's like a Charlie Sheen of the Wizarding World. Like you can't trust him with anything. He's betting. He bets with So Ludo Bagman has AIDS? Uh, you know what? I can't confirm or deny that. <laughs> but yeah, I just think he's just like this really big like super reckless super irresponsible does not realize I mean I do appreciate that he tries to help Harry but like it's for his own gains because he's deep in a he's, hole with yeah. with uh, 
with a. He's just trying to make a little money yeah. off of the podster. <laughs> the HP, if I may. Um, no, he. Yeah, no, I totally agree. He is the uh, guy who never grew up from his glory days. But He's a. He was a total bro. He was a bro. He was a bro man. And um, unconfirmed Death Eater. Well, he was. He helped a Death Eater, unbeknownst to him. Um, yes, so that's why he was under investigation. But yeah. he also has a big gambling problem, which comes to bite him in the, in the butt. And that's why um, Fred and George never really get the money that they were promised because um, he kind of didn't think that. He kind of, I don't know, Bagman kind of played the odds to think, oh, no one's going to, like, actually come up with, like, the real score of this game. Oh, so yeah. he took that money, and he was going to give it to the the goblins that he owed. Yeah. But Fred and George won, so the money's accounted for, so he can't pay it back to goblins. Nope. But he can't give, but he doesn't want to give the money to Fred and George, and blah, 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 blah. But he, I like him, even though you feel sorry for him. Yeah. So. It doesn't, doesn't. Like, how does his comeuppance happen? Does he actually get killed by the goblins at one point? I know he goes on the he, run. Dis- he he just disappears. Right. Yeah. Same thing with Cockroft, but we find out what happens to Cockroft eventually. He did. Yeah. He did. Um, now, dad is a dodo. Dad is a dodo, yes. Now on to the third tournament, the maze. <laughs> which probably has my favorite moment in the book is the Sphinx uh, riddle. Yeah. For some reason, like, that's the one thing I, I, I really hated about the movies because, like, it's just we no got sphinx. we have the forest move back and forth and like the blast and its scroots and everything like and monster scroots and the giant spiders. Yeah, but there's no like it doesn't actually have them thinking at all. It's basically them like running around like yeah. avoiding. It's kind of like like the Maze Runner, but now there's just magical creatures. But yeah, like I I do think the Sphinx was probably the the best part of what Harry had to face. In the maze. It proves that he's not a total idiot when it comes to things like that. I know, that. and that riddle was actually really good. Like, I know I was very, like, I... Did, what is the riddle? When, do you want me to, like, no, repeat that, no, it? No, it's not... It, yeah, okay. <laughs> I have um, First, think of the person who lives in disguise, who deals in secrets and tells naught but lies. Next, tell me what's always the last to mend, the middle of middle and the end of the end. And finally, give me the uh, sound often heard during the search for a hard-to-find word. Now string them together and answer me this. Which creature would you be unwilling to kiss? Spider. Yes. But it took me a little while. Right. Um, why I said wind, I'm like, oh, that's that's the riddle scene in The Hobbit. Like, that's one that's one of the answers to Gollum's riddles. Um, but it's also just, uh, like... That's that's not fair, Hobbitses. Uh, lint? No. Um, it seems like 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 the first challenge. It has the most um, tension built in, because well, all of a sudden you hear Fleur scream off in the distance. You're like, and the but I thought the flares didn't go up. Do they? I think for her. They yes. Go up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I don't yeah. think they go up for Crum. Right. No. But because Crum has gone full T one thousand, he's just like, he's like, have you seen this boy? <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, unbeknownst to him, that he's being he's being jinxed. You know, it's kind of interesting to me too. Like, how the hell did Floor get as far as she did? Because she didn't make it past the second. Like, and she and like they have to participate in this. Um, and she did okay, right? In the um, 
the dragons, but she didn't really do that amazing. So she's no, kind she... of the least, perf- like, the most underwhelming. And yet she has probably the biggest ego of all of them. Yeah. Because... Until she was humbled in the second challenge, where Harry was like, actually, like, yeah, I helped save your sister. And I think that's why she has developed a relationship towards Harry and Ron that lives out the rest of the rest of the book. The ginger. Oh, I'm a ginger. (laughs) (laughs) The only time being a ginger would be good (laughs) in any circumstances. Except I like more adventurous men. Oh. Like Le- Le- Indiana Jones. How come everyone likes him? God. <laughs> I'll never live up to them. Oh, man. Um, and then, of course, after the... No, like, the, f- uh, the the sparks didn't go up for floor. Right. No, they said um, uh, there was no sign of red sparks, and he was freaking out because he's like, what if... She couldn't uh, reach her wand, and then he couldn't help but thinking one champion down. Which is, this is all very Hunger Game-esque. Yeah. I mean, this was also a very well-written chapter. Yeah, yeah. But also, it's a defining thing that comes back and bites Harry in the ass in the next book, because he contemplates if he needs to save that person, that he is so selfish, selfless at times, at times, that he's willing to save people. That's how Voldemort gets the upper hand Mm -hmm. in the next book. Because he's like, oh... He's willing to rush to the aid blindly. Yeah, he's of, so uh, predictable. Yeah. And even his friends kind of like, Hermione's like the one who calls him out in like next book. like, yo, do not do this because you are so predictable. I'm not predictable. I am moody. <laughs> <laughs> You're particularly moody. Ooh. Hold up. I will, you will go to sleep or I'll put you to sleep. <laughs> Red sparks were for Crumb. They put him up for Crumb, so that's we had him backwards. Gotcha. And then Cedric shows his true colors. That he's like has a chance to take the cup. Says no, you saved me. You deserve it. Once again, he's showing that he's a humble person. He's yeah. not his father, who would have just been like, Sakap! no, he is totally his mother's son. Yeah, his mother is like that though. His mother is a very humble person. That's why she would never take the. Yeah. Gold after the winnings as of like no like that's not yeah a and thing. then also the well it goes back to him being humble like and like the whole recount like having the match rescheduled during the third book yeah quit match being rescheduled but yeah <coughs> yeah and that's that's really the thing because Cedric's really fair and um, Harry's not one to exploit that either like I do think there are characters in the universe that will be like oh you're fair let me jump in on that yeah but Harry's pretty like. No, like, what's the best way? Which is why, ultimately, Cedric ends up being... Yeah, he he's literally uh, collateral damage. Yeah. And that's what I think that's what I was trying to say earlier. Yeah, I think you said, you said collateral damage. Oh, okay. Okay. And because of the Tribe Wizard Cup, that's where they get it's a port key, and it takes them to the graveyard outside the Riddle House that was set up at the beginning of the book. Is it in... It's it's in the town of the Riddle House. It's, like it's, it's the graveyard in the town that has the Riddle House. Yeah, yeah. You can see the Riddle House from the it's graveyard. It's the Riddle, really like it's like the family great, like the family plot, and they would be buried in the town because they're yeah, they died. You could no, because I think it's, they're at the top of the hill. I think yeah, they're the I highest point of the the town. And that's what you can see. Like that's why it's another way to show the dominance of the people in. So, we find out that 
And Voldemort's not the one who kills Cedric. It's uh, Wormtongue does it. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's just another one of Voldemort's followers slaying innocent unicorns. I'm just saying. <laughs> there's ties here. Okay, you're right. Yeah. Um, and Wormtongue doesn't really protest him doing that, does he? Yeah, it was Voldemort goes kill the spare, and he's just like, Pachina. but in in like, <laughs> why do we both make the same motion? <laughs> like, like as like a whip or something like That's that. That's how we would do the killing curse in case anyone. That to... was a flare or something like that. Yeah, we're dramatic too, Voldemort. <laughs> um, but like, he, like the worm's tail in the book, in compared to the movie, like the worm's tail in the movie is very vicious and stuff like that, and like when you see in the fourth book and onward. Because, like, in the opening of the movie, like, you see Wormtail sees the caretaker and he's like, hmm, smiles, like, oh, he's dead. And in the movie, he's like, all right, fine, pop, shoots him. And doesn't feel any remorse throughout the rest of that scene. He feels like, I just chopped my hand off. Like, he feels bad about that because he's in pain. Yeah. But in the book, he's, like, just so sniveling and just like, no, oh, master, don't hurt me. I'm a true believer. And, You're a Harry comes, Harry's blood, as well as the what father of the. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, I'm going to strangle myself. Yeah, you're going to finally say, be happy about that. I know, but, but I, like, I, I don't think I. Just, like, musically say one word. Uh, it's a start. Okay. <laughs> Voldemort comes back through this kind of old magic and new things that he threw in to resurrect himself. <sighs> and comes back as a flat faced person. Even though in the movie they try to, but it's kind of hard to make somebody completely flat face unless you have to CGI and they do. They was CGI. Oh, his nose anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah, but like it's not like a straight like like a piece of grass. His whole profile went. It was snake like. I wouldn't say it was flat. No, because I've seen like because I've seen like like drawings. It's it's like flat as this piece of paper right here, and his eyes would pop like kind of jut out from it. I never got. I never read like I never read it like that, but okay. It's like. Obviously, interpretation of what people see in yeah. their own their own mind's eye. Now, Harry has to later duel him. The wands connect. We see the last people that cross wander. Streams. Like, they totally cross the streams. And Gozer is defeated. The Mar- Marshmallow Man covers the Riddle Town. All that kind of stuff. What do you guys feel about that climax with the graveyard? I loved it. Yes. I really honestly loved it. And... Um... It was perfect because when the Death Eaters, the Death Eaters show up as soon as they like the Death Mark got touched and everything like that, and the first thing that Voldemort does is berate them. Oh yeah, and you're all oh, cowards and everything like that. And you know what the funny thing is? is? Like I was loyal. It's Shut like up. no, no, you weren't. You were just cowardly. The only loyal one is at Hogwarts right now. And it's like okay, for Voldemort's eyes, he has every right to berate them. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, not one of you came to look for me. No excuses. If I heard a single whisper about your presence, I would have came back. There were more than whispers, Lucius. And then Crab and Goyle, so that's why Crab oh, and Goyle oh, always oh. hang out with. Uh, yeah, because yeah. they're also sick, yeah. same as bumbling as their sons. Take it up, but otherwise back. Is he really the. Dark Lord. <laughs> uh, but no, it was, uh, the whole scene is really great. I mean, yes, a little bit overdramatic with Voldemort, but that's how he was, like, he's he was, 15 he years was waiting 15, yeah, 15, 15 years, 14, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. 14, 15 years, whatever, to kill Harry. Mm-hmm. 
and this was his moment to like make sure that like there's no question that his powers were back and everything in front of all his supporters. And his blue balls continued just, once he mm, escapes. Boo. And then Harry was like, suck it, bitch. <laughs> and another thing that's set up there that he uses Expelliarmus to try to disarm um, Voldemort. And I think something like you might want to use a different charm when you're like they say that Deathly Hallows because you're kind of well known that for using that charm. That was in the uh, the DOA club. Yeah. The A club, yeah. I used it against him. <gasps> oh no, he did. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, like Harry, because that would be a spell. Who's for someone who's really selfless? He doesn't want to use these curses, and he is. Uh, other than when you see him later when he uses and like, but he would use a disarm opposed to. And it's funny because here is Voldemort with his go-to spell, the Killing Curse. And Harry with his go-to, the disarming curse, mm-hmm. and it's just the polar opposites of mm-hmm. emotions or the going into it. And I remember I was listening to the, Jim Dale describing all like everybody plopping out of the ends of the uh, wand. Really yeah, like yeah. I was, I got a little misty. I just like, oh, seeing his parents again, like that. Just like we can hold him back for a few moments, but then you got to get out of here. And he's like, he's got a busted ankle at this point. He's hobbling through this. Oh, and then Cedric. Take my body back. Take my Bring body it back, back to my dad. Which is it's like, yeah. like oh, dear. sure thing, bro. And the caretaker's like, I'll hold them off as much as I can. I mean, I died. Um, I got nothing else I got to do. I have no idea what I'm doing, but okay. And then, then you have um, what's her name? Uh, which has been missing the entire. She book. doesn't. She doesn't come out of it. Bertha Jorgens doesn't come out? No, she gets killed in um, the sixth or seventh book. I don't, I don't know yeah. exactly when she dies, but she doesn't pop out. Oh, okay. My mistake, everybody. And, uh, and I love when he's hobbling through the graveyard and they're firing curses and just oh, pieces. Wait. wait, no, you're right, Tim. What? Bertha yeah, Jorgens. This, this is why I have to finish rereading. Uh, the Shadow of Bertha Jorgens. Survey the battle before her eyes. Don't let go now. Don't let him get you, Harry. Don't let go. So he does. I thought, because the reason why I thought you had brought her up is because Voldemort goes through how, like, his good fortune of finding her. So I was like, oh, okay, like, maybe he just threw them in. But you're right, yeah, she's she's in there. Because in order of, like, death, it's Cedric, um, the caretaker, which I think his name's Frank, um, Bertha. And then it's Lily, then James. James. Um, I have to admit, I'm kind of proud of myself. That yeah, I knew, good I knew job. A, yeah, so There's I'm no just... Roger Davies, but good job. Damn. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We all have like those one. I know, we had these like little tidbits. Like, how did you remember that? Yeah, so. Um, it gets, but he finally, Voldemort comes back, berates everybody who doesn't show up. And there's like, there's like. And of course, like when they land, the Death Eaters they leave spaces in between for where they're supposed to be when, when it used to do when it was and like. Come on, ladies, let's get in formation. Yeah, and then like, <laughs> I mean, like there's a lot of open spaces. He's like, hmm, like, like there should be more people here. But like then he goes down a list of like, oh, they're dead, Azkaban, and hiding, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Party Crouch Jr. Party Crouch Jr., which he does not refer to by name. Of no, course. because there's two spots. Like these two are doing my work right now. Yeah, and like, and one of them is at Hogwarts, and you're like, who's at Hogwarts? 
Hearts. And then everybody thinks, like, it's Snape. It's got to be Snape. And then, well, it kind of is Snape, kinda, but like, it is Barty Crouch. Yes. Um, he gets back. Harry gets uses the port key and takes Cedric's body back. And is immediately dragged away from Cedric's body and everybody's screaming. And we don't know who grabbed him at first. They never say, like, they don't say who. They, they allude to somebody picked him up because he is so disoriented by that point. He doesn't realize it's Mad Dying until he gets to his office. Yeah. And that's when the the screws do have to be turned. Like, the tension's like, wait, something's not right here. And that's well, what triggers well, Dumbledore. Yeah, Dumbledore even says, if it was real Mad-Eye Moody, he would never have left. He would never have taken you away from my side. Without letting, at least letting him know. Without his, yeah, Dumbledore's permission. Yeah. yeah. And and then... Which, that whole scene, the buildup of Barty Crouch freaking out on Harry in the office, and then everything, all the warning bells around him are going off, and the sh- mirror of shadows is now forming into uh, Snape, McGonagall, and Dumbledore. And just at that moment, the door blasts open, and Dumbledore is back on. Yeah. And that, that's, when, that's when Harry realizes, so that's why Voldemort's afraid of Dumbledore, because he finally got to see the angry Dumbledore. The, the silent rage in Dumbledore. The, the kind of Dumbledore that he has talked about, especially in, in Deathly Hallows, of the kind of vengeful person when something is taken from Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Um, true serum that's been set up early is used on Barty Crouch. He spills the whole beans of how he escaped Azkaban to his mother taking his place, living in seclusion and, and uh, with his father, later killing his father. All that stuff. He just spills the beans. Spills the beans. Then... Oh, such so so stupid for Cornelius Fudge allowing the Dementors into the Hogwarts themselves to kill to to uh, eat. Um, they give to the kiss, Dement- to kiss Barty Crouch Junior. and Dumbledore is like, "We needed him," and then and like, Fudge is like, "Well, I needed him to make an example," and it's like, "No, we needed him." It was just really great because then you finally see like really Dumbledore getting really angry, and this is also the first time we see Cornelius Fudge actually being. Um, not, no, not on Dumbledore's side. And like, it kind of and like, and actually kind being of sputtering. Like, the... Well, not really sputtering, but there's more to the offense of this is what my job is now telling me that this is how I have to, this is how it has to be. Right. Which you, reading back, you, you really kind of like, oh, come on, dude, the writing's on the wall. Just read it. But yeah. at the same time, you kind of have, if you really think about it, you kind of understand where uh, Fudge is coming from. Yeah. Because if he says, Voldemort's back, everybody, run for your lives, people are going to go insane. Even if he doesn't, if he, even if he says, oh, yeah, by the way, Voldemort's back, people are going to freak. <laughs> but Monster's like, there's a kid here, a human kid, and everybody's freaking out. You look at how bad it was at the World Cup when everyone saw the dark mark, so let alone say, hey, you remember how you were all freaking out? Well, you were right. Like, yeah, so, yeah, I do see it, and it, it sucks because, I mean, really, if Fudge had come together with Dumbledore, I think it would have been a, a much different ballgame and definitely a lot easier on Harry next book, but it's a good setup, and even, like, the parting of the ways, like, that you need that. You needed people to not believe Harry because you need Harry to be almost kind of isolated. He needs that um, push, and it's almost sad because, like, here, you know, poor Cedric, you know, died and it's like well how do you justify that he died and you're saying it's not Voldemort like what what did Harry kill him like uh, Harry made up this outlandish story but then you know you also have Rita Skeeter to blame because Rita Skeeter said he's demented and dangerous and that's only just going to propel him further being more uh written about and in a negative light there's 
four really defining moments that happened with Harry in the hospital. One being the Dementors coming into school, giving the Dementors kiss to yeah. Barty Crouch, silencing the only uh, connection other than Harry's word to Voldemort. Sirius revealing himself to the group that he is alive and he's been with them and he's innocent. Snape revealing that he has the Dark Mart on him, that he was a former Death Eater, to confirming that to the kids who didn't know. Molly probably knew and everything like that, or like, or the older Weasleys probably knew, yeah. but Ron, Hermione, and uh, Harry are probably like, well, yep, we're right, and that he, despite the fact that he has a dark mark, and that he goes to bad for Dumbledore, and he truly believes in everything that he does, it's like, oh, maybe Snape's not a bad guy, sure, like, he's gonna do some terrible things in the next couple of books, and everything's gonna be kind of slightly retconned when it comes to the second one of the few last chapters of Deathly Hallows, we'll get there eventually, um, when, I, when uh, Dumbledore kind of like assembles what will be the Order, Order of the, the Phoenix, Phoenix yeah. and I just like how yeah Sirius is as a dog following Harry through the ho- the the school after they get him back into the hospital wing yeah and kind of like I guess some people are like where did the dog come from yeah type thing but then when Dumbledore Sirius it turns into serious black. I love Molly's reaction because she honestly had zero idea about and it. Ron, and Ron, Hermione, and, and Harry yeah, like, don't worry, he's not a murderer. <laughs> I just love that. And even Dumbledore was like, Molly, got, got work to do. Calm yourself. Slow your roll. I love the fact that like, he was just hanging out in the pumpkin patch outside of Hagrid's uh, hut like the entire well, the time. We never really addressed it, but Harry kept Sirius in the loop of everything, and Sirius was extremely concerned about it to the yeah. point where Sirius was willing to come out of hiding to go help Harry, like get to the bottom of why his. And they said like he was like in the south of here, so I just imagine him like in Maui or something like that, just relaxing. And then this happens, he's like, "Well, there goes my tan," <sighs> and he has to fly back to uh, England to deal with this. <laughs> Can he apparate as a dog? Probably not. <laughs> That would just last. He wouldn't have to go get help anymore. He would just uh, save me from the well. He can't operate it anyway because of Buckbeak. Yeah, I mean, like if he wanted to operate, he could. He just wouldn't have. There was no maybe no use for Buckbeak. Um, After the third book, Buckbeak was just kind of there. Periodically shows up. Yeah, but even like when it shows up, you're like, I feel bad for Buckbeak because it's like. Okay, he's not allowed to go outside anymore. He's got to stay in the attic, pretty yeah, much. Stay hid in the attic and feed on dead rats. And theoretically, would they really know it was Buckbeak if they no. think Buckbeak is dead? Like, no, it's just another hippogriff. Yeah, so like, let the hippogriff go. But I think the idea is that he would go back to Hagrid and then they would know. Yeah, they got bigger things to worry about. I mean, <laughs> um, now, the conclusion of the story is that Dumbledore tells everybody that's at Hogwarts that Lord Voldemort is the one responsible for this. Do not believe Cornelius Fudge and there's dark times ahead. And let's not Cedric do not die in vain. We will remember him as a hero for saving people's lives and stuff like that. And we should have to fight for his for his sacrifice and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The, the book really ends on a bitter, sweet, more bitter than sweet ending. Yeah. No, because I think it's the giving the the prize money to Fred and George to start the joke shop. I think is the 
Sweet some kind of some kind of light at the also, end of the tunnel because there's not going to be any having, for the next three books. And also Hermione having Rita Skeeter trapped in a jar. Yes, which we haven't brought. Well, there's a few things we haven't brought up yet. Is like the the trio themselves, their character wise, because there's so much plot we had to get through. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you can tell that they're starting to get a little bit more angsty. I guess. Yes. I mean, Ron's getting more jealous that Harry is always the person there, yeah. and he's always second fiddle. Yeah. Um, and Hermione's kind of the same. She's just. A little bit more of the same, isn't no, it? No, no, like, this is when she starts to develop her... Book like, where she starts developing Spew? Yes. yes. And okay. she starts to become, like, a social justice warrior, kind of, like, for yeah. the house elves. Yeah. Um, she, she should join PETA. Yes. She would join PETA. Okay. Something that's kind of bothered me, because at one point, Malfoy bewitches her teeth and it starts to grow like a beaver. That, I actually thought that was a very clever part of the book. And that she, like, when she had her teeth reduced... Yes. She had it reduced to a point past her original one to, like, make it nice and perfect and everything like that. And it's obviously going to happen right before the the yeah. ball, the old ball. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it seems out of character for Hermione to do. Uh, it was always something that bothered her, though. Yeah. Like, it, it was always brought up, and it was something that her parents were always working on. So, you know, here's this opportunity. Well, no, her parents didn't want to work on. No, they wanted her to wear braces. She wanted to bewitch them. She wanted to charm them, and they wouldn't let her. They said magic and teeth don't belong because they're dentists. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, so I think it's not something, you know, she she was avoiding it because she was respecting their wishes, but then, like, when the curse happened, she was like, you know, is it really going to harm anybody if I do that? And I think the whole thing with the ball, um, one, I think she kind of had, like, a, point to prove too um not just to like ron because like the whole like oh well sorry it took you so long to notice i'm a girl right. thing but even like the other um girls in gryffindor right now and like girls are pretty catty around that age mm-hmm. so i think she kind of had a point to prove to herself that like i can you know i can compete with the best of them and i'm super confident it doesn't matter and we obviously know she's super brainy so it's not like it's not like she has no personality like she she would never be one that's considered for looks alone. So I I like that she got that Cinderella moment where she gets the Yule Ball and she gets to just kind of be like... And I also like that you get to see the developing feelings for, you know, the Ron-Hermione... Relationship. Yeah, because even Hermione gets jealous of Floor. Um, Ron gets jealous of Crumb and Harry could give two shits either way. And yeah. It's, you know, so... He's jealous of Cedric. I, yeah, he's jealous. Of, he's too busy with his own, which is hysterical because you would think Rita Skeeter would have wrote about that because the two Hogwarts champions yeah. fighting over the same girl. But that would have been almost worse, in my opinion. That it would have been perfect for Rita Skeeter to get out because then she could have incorporated it into the whole Hermione story that she ran away. Now, since we brought Rita Skeeter several times at the podcast, let's talk about her. Oh, I hate her. Oh, yeah. I hate no. her so much. She's not the worst character in the entire series. That comes next book. I think Umbridge is worse than. Uh, yeah. So far, yes. Worst female, and honestly, in comparison to Umbridge, like if the two of them like tag teamed, it'd be like if Ursula and like freaking like Maleficent like took over the world. Do you know what I mean? <sighs> and not like the new Disney Maleficent. I'm talking like old school Sleeping Beauty Maleficent. Not a fan of the Angelina Jolie. No, I actually really like it, but like that's like more of like an empowerment story. So gotcha. not her Maleficent. Um, but yeah, like a, like Queen of Hearts meets friggin' Ursula. You know what I mean? 
So Rita Skeeter is just, she's awful. She's literally brutal. And I don't necessarily think it's all her. It's that freaking quill. And the quill is so dramatic and it takes anything. So she asks the right questions and the quill does all the dirty work. So, and... If it's the quill, she has control over the quill. She could have had an honest quill. She could have had an honest quill, so it's more it's still her. And it's the funny thing is, especially in the movie, when we, when we see the pensive and we cut back to Oh yeah, pensives were introduced this way. Pensive were we'll bring that up in a second. When we see Rita Skeeter writing about the trial that Karkrov's there, she's writing by hand. She's not using magic she's not using the quick quick like, I think because at a certain point her reporting changed. Yeah. yeah. Because I think because during that time there was enough really drama to legitimate drama to report that she didn't have to go create her own. Yeah. I mean, you got to think it's like, it is wartime at that point. Like anything, any bit of news is going to be something that could be on the front page. After that happens, it is probably a lull of of magical news for the next 15 years. I mean, like, Oh, there's, there's, um, um, cauldrons that are not the uh, exact size. They're not universal cauldron size. Yeah. That's, that's, that's big news to write about. To Percy Weasley, it yeah, is gigantic it. news. To Weatherby. Weatherby weather, finds it really important. <laughs> or still be called, what's it called? Wheezy. Harry Potter, they have your Wheezy. <laughs> even, even with his, when Barney Crouch Sr. is losing his shit talking to trees, he still calls him Weatherby. He still doesn't call him Weasley. Yeah. I feel bad for Percy. Yeah, uh, because he's, he is so enamored with Barney Crouch. Yeah. He does not realize that he doesn't, Party probably doesn't remember that he exists as soon as he's out of eyesight. Like, basically, Percy is, like, an intern. Yeah. To, like, so it's, like, one of those things that's, like, almost like, you ever watch The Devil Wears Prada? Yes. Like, where, like, Anne Hathaway's character is, like, not of any kind of importance to Can you spell Gabbana for me, please? Yeah. Like, could you spell that? Click. Um, he is, like, so I think that's exactly what it is, and it's... Percy's dream is that boring stuff. Like, for all the wacky, quirky things that each of the Weasley siblings have, his is the least quirky. Like, he is just like. Or you can argue that Percy is so enamored on getting where he needs to go that he will conquer leaky cauldrons and he'll conquer being called Weatherby because he knows that his endgame is Minister of Magic. Because. Like he's just, he just, I don't care what you throw at me. I'm going to conquer it and keep moving. If you want me to research leaky cauldrons, then I'm going to research the shit out of leaky cauldrons. Yeah, yeah, no, I can see where you're coming from from that, too. I just kind of, I don't take it as, um, like, an ambitious thing. I think it's, like, he's a very prideful, very, like, he, like, he finds joy in that the same way, like, Neville finds joy in herbology kind of thing. Like, and, um, yeah, so I, I do feel bad for Percy. And I feel subsequently as bad for Percy in the movies because they literally kind of just forget yeah. him. From the here on out. Yeah, and, like, this is, like, the last. And he was actually kind of, you know, pivotal. he was one of the judges at one point. Like, here's little Percy Weasley yeah, who's judging. He was the assistant, so. Now, going back to Rita Skeeter. Why is there you think there's such a, such sexual overtones between Rita and Harry's like first interview and stuff like that? Do you think she's just using that just to get information yeah. out of him? Yeah. Okay. She's trying to turn on like the seductress, like what's that Mrs. Robinson vibe? You yeah. know, that's what she was trying Mrs. to Robinson, turn you're on. trying to seduce me. Uh, 
I mean, in the book, I never read her as like what they portrayed her in the movie. In the movie, they made sexier up a lot. I kind of like what they did to, in the movie because it makes the character that much more dangerous. Yeah, rather than the few golden teeth that we see, like they make mention a few yeah, times with in her the book. T- with her tits out, just like right in there, it's like okay. and in a tiny cupboard. Yeah, you're like, oh, uh, like Harry going through puberty is going to be like going to be transfixed on those things, especially because he's so short. Yes, and it's like right at the right line, line yes. level. Yes, Daniel Radcliffe is rather short. He's like five six, five five. Oh. Damn, Daniel. Just, Damn, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Daniel. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, <laughs> I, Rita Skeeter is just so. And at first, you kind of just think she's just, you know, she's a gossip reporter. She wants to get the... And then it just snowballs. And And for how, like, the whole thing, Hermione didn't really care. And, like, yeah, like, her hands get all, like, pussy and stuff. But, like, the worst is Hagrid. Like, that's hands down. Like, don't mess with Hagrid. Hagrid is everybody's boy that is like you love he's like this big lovable teddy bear you just want to hug him and for him he's in a super vulnerable moment he finally meets like a woman that he can like bear his giant soul to and he can't because there's a little beetle (laughs) yes seriously hate her (laughs) one moment there's one moment where you don't see rita skeeter doing the whole like fishing for information moment where she's talking to her photographer and they're just scheming and that really shows how she is not not trying to like pump information out of someone just telling the whole like okay well like daily profit is going to eat this up if we do this this and this you gotta make sure that camera is like snapping at all times because you just want that right picture and i'll get feel the information that is like she's extremely brilliant but extremely scary and messed up Yes. Let's check. <laughs> well, we I, know Umbridge was a Slytherin. Yeah. Th- uh, maybe they were in the same year. That makes sense. It now, would, they would realistically be around the same age. Yeah. And the thing with, like, with Rhea Skeeter exposing to the world that Hagrid is part giant. And Harry is just, like, being the ignorant person not growing up the Wizarding World. It's like, so what? He's a giant. Who cares? And everybody's like, no, you don't understand. They're yeah. ostracized species from here. They're like... Even Hermione didn't quite grasp it and Hermione had a better handle on it. Then. It's like saying that you're like HV, HIV positive at the, he- head, uh, the height of AIDS or outbreak or something like that. Like yeah. Everybody's going to just do stuff too. Like that's a, trying, the analogy I'm trying to make. I, I couldn't think of anything else. Like Or that like you're a leper or something like yeah. that. They'd be like, oh, you're something to be feared and be quarantined and should not be trusted. Like coming out as gay in like middle America. Yes. Yeah. And, and um, and even Ron's like, well, Harry, you don't understand. Like, Ron, like, and he's like, because he's a giant. They're, they're, they're vicious creatures. Like that. But, like, Hagrid's not vicious. Yeah. You're judging, like, you're having a preconceived notion change your outlook of a, of a friend that's been there for you for years. But did it – I don't actually think it, it changed Ron's perspective. I but he's think trying to was, illustrate it for yeah, Harry, yeah. like, what it is. And he's like, but, but that's – He's so- like, you're not getting why this is a big deal. And I also – it's really bad because it sets the stage for uh, next book when – you know, Umbridge goes crazy on like the half breed. Yeah, and it's probably like the most. I think that my favorite, probably my favorite part of the book is when they're doing the astrology um, uh, newts uh, test, and they're yeah. watching from the tower that he's being attacked, and that he's there's like five wizards firing stupefied yeah. mess, uh, 
uh, spells them, and he's like, "I'm gonna get you, yes, other bitches." Um, so we brought up Ron, like, and we've kind of brought up a little bit here and there. Like, Ron distanced himself from Harry at one point because he believes that he Harry put his own name in there, trying to seek the glory, and they. Hermione becomes that person stuck in between two friends that are fighting. Mm -hmm. And we've all been there. Is Ron in the right for feeling like this? You can't disregard Ron's feelings because like Hermione says, it's like you have to realize that his whole life he's been vying for attention from his brothers. Now he comes, he ends up having a best, like best friend who's famous, who gets all the attention. And then here, you know, here he is again, getting more attention. It's, it was just one stroke too many, and so I don't, I don't blame Ron for being as upset. But I think, and you know what, the thing, the mark of like a true friendship too is that they, you know, like you are gonna fight. You are, and they're fourteen. Like the fact that they make up and they make up and they come back so strongly, I think, to the point where you know, here's mm-hmm. Harry. He's the one that he would miss the most if he was gone because he did miss him. He missed him so much. So, okay. So, uh, according to several web pages and everything like that, uh, nobody knows. Really? Uh, even uh, Harry Potter Wikipedia doesn't know. Doesn't know. I'm going with you. Yeah, I mean, let's for the sake of your argument, let's say Slytherin because. But yeah, I mean, there's but there's arguments for Ravenclaw or Slytherin. Because, you know, how ambitious and independent she is. But yeah. she was also very intelligent, intelligent enough to make herself an animagus. Without yeah. anybody knowing. Yeah. But then again, Peter Pettigrew made himself a... Yeah, from but, three brilliant yeah, you don't wizards. Know, you don't know her whole backstory with that. JK, get on that. I want to uh, know. And she's 40 years old when she's interviewing Harry. So she, yeah, she's 40. So she's cougar a cougar. Action right so there. How, much is, uh, how old is Umbridge when we meet her next? Good question. Sorry, I just like to make. It's a proper point. If we're basing it off of the, uh, I think 1994 is his second year, so she's how old she was? She 96, born? 51, uh, 96. So she's 45. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah, let me check on Bridge. Okay. Doop. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, just the longer you are friends with somebody, the more likely you are to have little tiffs. And um, my mom, like, I, I consider my mom one of the, like, the most uh, fair, even-keeled people that ever walked the face of the earth. And she says the mark of a true friendship is realizing someone's faults and being friends with them anyway and letting them be who they are while still maintaining your friendship. So, like, even though Harry was upset and... He's right to be because his friend, you know, when he needed him the most, kind of left him hanging. Ron's upset because he feels that his friend, you know, is once again upstaging him when he's done that his whole life. So it's just one of those things that I'm glad they came back. And and Ron's the most human. I'm sorry. Ron has the most emotional range out of all of them. Um, he's stubborn, but he is loyal to a T. Um you know, he never actually wears a Potter Stinks badge. No. So. And with, like, during high school, one of my closest friends that, like, from childhood, we kind of, like, went our separate ways um, and didn't really contact him. And at the time when I really needed him by my side, but it didn't end up turning out that way during that time, we've since reconciled and become stronger ever since. Just like that, like, you break apart, come back together, and you come back stronger than ever. 
And I kind of, and that's why I think I love that resolution at the end of the first trial or first t- task, and they come back together. And Hermione's like in tears because she's so happy about that. Yeah. I understand where she's coming from with that. Yes, Dakota. All right. So Umbridge was born pre nineteen sixty five. There's no exact date. Okay. That would put her between thirty and forty years old when she's teaching at Hogwarts. Hmm. And but here's a question for you: they, Her blood status is half blood, but she was in Slytherin. So is Snape. So is Voldemort. She's self. She's self loathing. Uh, half, half, half blood. Okay, never mind. That argument's diminished. I thought you were gonna sing half breed. No, 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 no. I, I actually know that it. song. Oh, you don't know it? Okay. I know it, but I'm not gonna sing it. Damn it! <laughs> um, to go to your feelings on the relationship of like Ron. Like, do you feel like Ron is justified to feed that upset and not talking to Harry? Yeah, I think he's very. Uh, I mean. It's for someone who's coming from his background, just being compared to all his brothers and his brothers and everything. It's just like your best friend is now just doing everything. And you're like, I'm second fiddle, not only to my family, but to my best friend. I'm getting really sick of this. I'm just getting really sick of this. Mm-hmm. And you can't. So you, you, you feel for Ron. And I think he has every right to think that, like to act the way he does. I mean, the the extent of it is a little absurd. Yeah, I mean, Ron, Harry didn't help. No, because he, Harry blew a hissy fit at the same time Ron was blowing a hissy fit. So yeah, no, it was, it was like it was oil and water at that point. Like it was like, oh, I mean, just yeah. yeah so I, I mean, it justified. I mean, maybe I I don't know if I really have those moments because I had moments where I had friends like that would that when like when I went off to college, all my other friends didn't uh, go off to college. One friend who mm, convinced everyone else that, oh, Dakota's gloating that he's going off to college. He thinks he's better than you, blah, 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 blah. And I lost all my friends. And I still haven't made up with all those friends. Mm. And at this point, I don't even care of a crap because if you're really my friend, you, you would have by now. Yeah. So, whatever. Gotcha. So, unlike you, I had, don't didn't have a happy ending to that story. Right. But, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, it doesn't mean you won't, though. I mean, it, it will. Sometimes it works itself out. Yeah, I have a friend... um due to some severe life changes in in her lifestyle um i was there up until that point and then when it changed every like i guess everybody came back to her so she decided that i was irrelevant after being really mean to me um so like but if she called me tomorrow and was like listen you know i want to apologize like i i'm not gonna you know i I wouldn't turn away all the years of friendship that we've had right um yeah and my feelings were hurt um but another thing with Ron, too, oh, it just, like, I know I mentioned it a little bit before, but it broke my heart when they were talking, they were doing the lesson on Nifflers, I think is how you say it, mm-hmm. um, with magical creatures, oh. and the, the leprechaun gold, and, like, so Ron's getting, and he has a lap full of gold, and, and um, so I think it was Crab or Goyle or whatever, and they're, like, freaking interchangeable anyway, but one of them went to go steal coin, and Hagrid's like, oh, it's leprechaun gold, it disappears anyway, like, Ron was so defeated because he's like, Harry, why didn't you tell me that the money was gone? And, like, Harry is so, like, nonchalant. Like, he didn't quite realize, like, how. And he's just like... Now, did, did Harry know that it would disappear? No, no. Harry it was... Yeah, yeah, and it was like, you know, they, they're they running. They're, you know, they, he's looking for his wand. He yeah. can't. It's all this other stuff. And he, like, he's like, well, you know, like, I was looking for my wand. Like, that was more important. Like, I didn't really... He's like, I wish that... I wasn't poor and that I could lose all that money and it not be. 
And, like, both him and Hermione, like, didn't know what to say. Because you have to think about Hermione's parents probably well off muggle-wise. Yeah. Because they're dentists. So, like, neither one of them kind of know the... the Circumstances. Like, yeah. And, like, I grew up in, like, a trailer. So, like, I totally get what he's... Like, anytime he kind of talks about that, like, it's rough when, like, everybody, like, people are getting MP3 players, and I have, like, my Christina Aguilera CD on, like, repeat on my, like, beat-up Walkman, you know what I mean? So, like, I still have never owned an iPad, and it's, like, everything, you know, and it's one of those things that it broke my heart when he said that, and there really was no, like, and there's, as much as people are always like, oh, Ron's so, like, you know, he's the character you care the least about, mm. he does have this shining moments. No, a lot of people say that Ron, really? not, people don't care for Ron, because you look at it, you have the, you have Hermione, the she, in he is, and he's really, like, without Ron, Harry and Hermione would kind of be off in, like, oblivion, because, like, he grounds Hermione's them. all, yeah, like, Hermione's all books, and Harry's all guts, Heart. and, yeah, and then, you know, here's the glue. Yeah, and so it's a lot of people feel that Ron is, like, I've had this conversation with a lot of people, but they just feel like he's the least, like, it's like, eh, like, he's just there. I'm like, nobody has these moments, and these just, like, shining moments, and and you can't not appreciate that whole Weasley family, Ron included, so. Um, Even Percy. We, Percy's good for what he is. And he redeems himself. Yeah. Now, let's get into... Hermione, just for a little bit, then we can do best moments, worst moments, and stuff like that. Um, I love the moment when Harry's looking for Cho at the Yule Ball, stuff like that. Like, oh. And then, like, ah, crumbs with some woman. I don't know who it is. And then he's like, what? And, and total, everybody does a double take. Even Flora's just like, wait. And that is the fairy girl with the big hair and big teeth? The curly, mm-hmm. the curly, the bushy hair and uh the big teeth and like she's like they paint her as being so gorgeous and like the movie does it perfectly like maybe it does but it's like it's hard to make everyone wants to look ugly to begin with but yeah she won puberty yeah her, her and neville her, her and neville yes unless like she unless she unless she did like a like unless she like was on breaking bad as a meth addict it's probably like the only reason why you could probably make her look ugly and stuff like that yeah Oh. Like a chillery sterone and monster because you couldn't hear me because Dakota had the mic. <laughs> Zing. Um, how do you think Hermione feels being in that spotlight of that one moment that she's with Crumb by one of the biggest Quidditch players in the world and she's being ogled at by everybody because everybody had such low expectations when it comes to her beauty? Do you, I found her to handle it quite well. Like I don't think she really took it. I think the only time she took it kind of was uh when ron called her out Pre- on it well no Pravardi. because you know how like uh Pravardi had been like such a asshole yeah so like i honestly think that's the only time she took pleasure in that but everything else she was kind of really immersed in crumbs um she just wanted to be with crumbs. yeah like she was just really immersed in his company and like really just enjoyed um like their date and yeah. that's like i would imagine that like, hermione would actually be an excellent date to go on like i don't know if like like a high school student would appreciate it, but like someone that age right. difference, yeah, like that that would be something because she could actually hold a conversation and she's very interested, especially the whole thing. Like she's like the whole thing is to meet wizards from foreign places. Yeah. Well, also the fact that she didn't give a crap that Crumb was an international superstar. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, 
kind of relevant. Um, back in 2006, my dad went to Mets fantasy camp, and my mom ended up talking to more Mets, uh, ex-Mex Mets players because she at some point was like, so are you one of the old guys or are you actually famous? <laughs> and they're like, I won a World Series. And it's like, okay. <laughs> and and they, like, and the, the old time ball players like, okay, I'm actually going to like, and so my mom started talking about him other than baseball. Right. And one of the most nastier guys down there, which hated everyone actually let my mom hold like his ring and everything like the world series ring and everything like that. And it's something that wouldn't happen. I could figure that Hermione is in the same boat because I don't care that you play Quidditch. You probably, see- probably disarmed him right there. It was just like, well, everybody cares that they play. She doesn't get, yeah, doesn't get, yeah. But, do you think it's kind of creepy for Crumb to constantly go to the library when she's there and bench? Uh, no, I know it's a cute I thing. It's like a sh- yeah, and it's kind of funny because sometimes I take that stuff really creepily. Like I like the Notebook to me is not romantic. I find it stalkerish. Like I'm like I know I'm in the like minority like with guys and girls on that, but I really I'm not a fan of that. So I kind of thought it was weird, but then like also you think about how quiet of a character crumb is mm-hmm. it would make perfect sense that he's actually really shy yeah and he probably has like women like floor who throw themselves at him but like he like wouldn't respond to that because he doesn't want he wants a relationship he yeah, doesn't like, want something he wants fleeting what he wants and like so here's humani who's super like never once wanted to get his autograph that is all wrong like super does not care that's gonna catch his eye and she's I mean, it's never said Hermione was an unattractive girl. It just said that people like, that her appearance was the last thing on her mind. Mm. And you know, coming from somebody who has like super crazy curly hair, I don't blame her. I don't want to straighten my hair every freaking day. It's not straight right now. So like, I don't mind. She was like, it took hours. I'm not gonna do this potion every time. <laughs> even even Ron's like, why? It's like four hours to the ball. Why yeah, are you why getting you ready get now? Ready? Mm-hmm. It's just a girl thing. No, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Dismissive. Uh, no, but I agree with, uh, that. I mean, Hermione doesn't, I don't think she's out for her own gain ever. Mm. Um, so her looking good, it's really just because she wants to look good for Crumb. That is, that was probably the the only reason why. Mm. And I mean, she could have showed up with like all like ditzy hair and stuff like that if she just didn't care. Um, she doesn't, she, and the only time you ever really got the, and that she cares about her appearances with her teeth, but she did say that ever since she was a little kid, she hated having like big ass teeth. Right. So, but her showing up and then everyone's kind of like, hold the presses. Who the hell is that? Right. Um, I don't think she took a second of pleasure with that because it was just, eh. yeah, it's Yule ball day. Mm-hmm. Let's do, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> Until Ron starts berating her and it's like. Ron, seriously. And, and Harry's just like, oh, no, don't do it, buddy. Don't, oh, you're burying yourself. And he's like, I can't save you from here, and I'm not going to save yeah. you from here. All right. Best part of the book, least favorite part of the book. Did you need a moment to yes. think? Is that what you looked at? <laughs> that, I saw, I saw that look like, like save I... me face? I, I, mis- I misunderstood. I was like, why are you looking at me? <laughs> He looked like a drowning man looking like, at a bottle of oxygen. Just like, help Dakota. <laughs> I can't help you. Um, well, just so that, not to reiterate the first chapter being my favorite, um, probably it may be the whole figuring out the egg. I, it's just, it's really hard for me to pick a favorite part of this. Um, probably, yeah, I like him figuring out the egg and 
probably the whole graveyard scene just because that's like this changes everything the fact that Voldemort is back changes the whole storyline it's no longer like a yeah, it's no longer a one-on-one either, a very cut-and-dry good versus evil, because now it's who is on what side, who's doing what, who's doing this, how is this going to work, and nobody believes you, do they believe you, are they going to, like, it's all this stuff, and it all starts in this book. Um, and then probably my least favorite, do I have a least favorite? Welcome nah. back. What was I going to say? Yeah, nah, I don't have, I'll let you know. Well, my favorite, my, I have to agree with you, my favorite part of the entire book is the graveyard scene. It just has that... It's so well written. I mean, I didn't pick up on the the riddle house being in the distance on top of the hill, but after rereading that small little snippet, it's like, why didn't I think of that? That's the real house. But anyway, um, but that graveyard scene, just the build up to the part where Voldemort comes back, it's like, oh my god, just no, 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 this ain't hap- this ain't happening. It's like and then Voldemort just like dramatically comes out of the cauldron and like the potion gets everywhere and, i mean he doesn't shout but he just like takes those first like deep breaths and you're going like oh shit like, and you, you just you like you lads just put on on screen like that's how that, you that's just... how you do it like the very like quiet but dramatic entrance it was like oh no harry you are in such deep shit right now and then with the whole him addressing the death eaters and then just the whole build up of that scene of him just Harry's going to die. Mm. He's just flat out going to die. He's pinned down behind gravestones right now being shot at by the Avada Kedavra, and he's going to die. And then by some some miracle he makes out of there, and you're not, as a reader going, like, flipping through the pages because, like, what happens to what happens next? And then he gets back to, like, Hogwarts, and you're like, no, bring it back there. <laughs> uh, it, uh, one of my favorite book, one of my favorite couple chapters to read. And your least favorite? Ah, uh, crap. I'm going to be honest. You ball. You th- really? I didn't. I have no feelings towards the Yule ball. It just set, doesn't set up much for the story. It's just it's a, the plot devices for Ro- Hermione and Ron to get really at each other's throats. Um, the only significant part is in the book. That's a scene where Kakarov shows Snape the dark mark. That's it. Everything else is. I mean that's a very and, and we see a beetle, and we see see a beetle. Yeah, that's about it. But I mean that's the smallest appearance that Ginny has in the story. She's yeah. not even in this book until the Yule Ball, and then it's like, oh, you're going to the Yule Ball? I'm going with Neville. I'm sorry, and that's it. Yeah, pretty much. And then oh, dancing with Neville, and then she gets keeps getting her feet like stomped on. Because Neville thinks it's a river dance, and it's not. Fuck Michael Flatley! I'm the Lord of the Dance. Um, but um, and just the build up of Ron being humiliated by like the dress robes and stuff like that. It's like really, we already get the fact that he's poor and this is hand me downs and everything. Like, come on. So I Yobal doesn't do anything for me. You know, you know, you would think like Bill or Charlie would have had some kind of dress robes that they could have lent their brother. Yeah, but like they would need dress robes in general. Just for some kind of occasion. Yeah, for like. Especially Ron's Bill. That's he's the tallest one in the family. That's true, but I mean, tall would be better than lace and fringe. That's true. Um, <laughs> like other than like as we stated for my favorite part of the book, other than the opening chapter, my probably my favorite part of it is probably the confession of Barty Crouch, 
like being saved by Dumbledore, McGonagall, and Snape, and that McGonagall and Snape like do not question uh, Dumbledore's odd request during that scene. And Snape's like, "All right, fine." Goes goes down to his cellar to get the truth serum, and McGonagall goes to get this weird what. Vercel, and then McGonagall. <laughs> I'm like better you than me. <laughs> and then McGonagall's like, "All right, I'll go get this big dog from Hagrid. Don't know what it is, and just bring it up to the office and stuff like that, and bring Winky back as well. And then as well as the following scene in the hospital where we see the 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 line in the sand between the Ministry of Magic and Hogwarts is finally defined. That as well as Snape shows who he really sides in the long run, we side we see who he really sides with. It's with Dumbledore, despite the fact of his affiliations with the Dark Mark and the Death Eaters in general. And my least favorite part of the book is probably other than it's probably the plot convenience to get him there with the Tribe Wizards tournament, like getting through so many variables could have gone wrong, and Harry would have been dead. And like, all right, now he's got to bring this corpse. Back, so I have to sneak this corpse out of Hogwarts now to to Voldemort from to do his ritual. That's my probably biggest problem. That other than that, it's probably it just it's just very convenient. The the morning of that's when Dobby's like, "Oh, Gillyweed, you need this." But then it's explained because he's like, "Oh, that 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 house elf likes the Potter, Gillyweed," and it's like, "Oh, that, that should that should save Harry yeah. Potter." Yeah. Well. I agree with you that uh, the I understand why Cedric Diggory's body was brought back, but at the same time, you no, no, think... no, I was talking about like what if Harry died in the second tournament and his body's now like, oh, we gotta have a funeral for Harry at the second one. Now I gotta steal this body, bring it to Voldemort. Hopefully, nobody notices. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying, like... but like in that graveyard scene, I think that's probably the weakest moment because if Cedric Diggory really wanted Harry to get out of there, he wouldn't think about having. I mean, yes, he's very modest and everything. Like, yeah. After death, having one selfish request, yeah. I get that. But at the same time, it should, if Harry didn't go after Cedric's body to bring it back, he probably would have gone back a little bit earlier, yeah. save more time, maybe before like you know. But no, I agree with you. The whole Dobby thing, bringing him the gillyweed. I actually prefer the movie version of how that happened. Yeah, it was Neville. Yeah, it makes more yeah. sense because he had the book. Yeah. Um. Now, final summation of this book now that this podcast is in three hours long now in total. Wow. <laughs> and we're not even at the longest book yet. Uh, um, I told you this one was going to be a long one. That's what she said. Yeah, no. It is. Um, summation, how do you think? Do you Has your feelings on this book changed since we've done this podcast as well as the rereading of the book? 57th time taking the answer accounts. Um, no, I still love it. I still think it's the most crucial. Um, I did find it harder this time than ever before to reread. Um, I think because I did wanted to give, I kind of wanted to pace it appropriately with when we were doing it. And then we had some scheduling snacks. So I didn't quite get through it. Like I used to be able to read this in a day and not have a problem. Like I was beast mode activated. But now, like, if I open up a book, I'm lucky if I make it a few pages before Mount Cold. So, yeah, like, it was a rougher experience, but I still love this book. I still think it is the most crucial, and I just think it's just so, just so good. Like, I just think from the first chapter, it sets the tone off just right, and it just keeps going. And the books that come after, I think, are amazing. I, I just really think they're nothing short of amazing, and I 
think this is the perfect stepping stone. So. Yeah, no, I, I mean, their book's still my favorite, mm. but this is a, it's this is a really good book. Um, just the way, I mean, Rowling is definitely coming like more into her own about how well she can write characters and how well she can write scenes and everything like that. It's very evident that she really put so much time and carefully, it just carefully crafted each chapter in this book and like just set up in the plot. I mean, yes, the getting Terry to the graveyard was silly, yeah, but everything else was just so perfect. That you can forgive it. You, you can totally forget. You can overlook the fact, okay, that's a little, like, you, there's so many plot holes in that, but everything else, is, but the way she goes about it, that when you're, like, the first time reading through or, like, watching it and stuff like that, it doesn't click that it's a problem until you really start analyzing it. So, I mean, the whole suspension of disbelief, I guess. Yeah. But, um, I no, great book, and it's either number two or number three on my list of favorites. I think... Yeah, like you're saying, like this is her, this is Rowling firing in all cylinders when it comes to this book. Fifth one, I think she sputters a little bit. Sixth one, I think she recaptures what is needed. Sixth one was a lull. I, I, I think we doing. I think that's like that's my number two now. Okay, but like I said, it's six one's pirate. Six one is just like the setup to the seventh one. That's how I view it. But I feel like there's so much good writing in there that I can forgive that. It, it, it was a very easy read. Oh, yeah. But it seventh was one, still... Seventh one drags a little bit and stuff like that. But it, yes. Anyway, I hope everybody's enjoyed this podcast on Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire book review. Now, if you want people to follow you on social media, Dakota, where can they find you? Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and DeviantArt.com. All Dakota Weekend, Dakota.Weekend, DWeekend1, or DWDrawings at DeviantArt.com. Uh, hit me up for any reviews. I actually have a new review out on Sword Art, the anime Sword Art Online. Check that out at DeviantArt.com. My turn. <laughs> you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, Untapped, all those good social media accounts. Um, I'm on as Nikki Muggle or Nikki Muggle One. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Twitter at Timothy Rooney Two. Follow me on Instagram at TRooney1012. Uh, follow my YouTube page, Through the Lens Productions, where our short film, Halloween Reborn, is up. All three of us have worked on that. And another short film was coming away, but Nikki did not work on that. But we, we got to him. <laughs> and none for Gretchen Wiener. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and, but we had something in the pipeline. Hopefully all three of us can work on soon. Um, as well as, obviously, follow this podcast on SoundCloud.com. I hope everybody enjoyed this podcast review of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire book review. And I hope everybody's enjoyed this, and we'll talk to you soon. Stay tuned for the movie. Oh, yeah, the commentary track through it will be coming up real soon.